Hello, it is episode 6 of the Gaming Memories Podcast, where I, Cade Call, your host, a.k.a. Roboclip, a.k.a. the prophet, seer, and revelator in charge of the one and only true gaming podcast in existence. I testify that the Lord has revealed unto me that all other gaming podcasts are an abomination, and they have not the truth. The Lord has instructed me to interview the most entertaining and interesting people on planet Earth in regards to their most impactful and favorite gaming memories growing up. On this episode of the podcast, we have a very interesting guest, Robert Anderson, also known as Robo Rob. And Robo Rob is a super legit electronic music producer. He has been putting out beats for over a decade. He's very prolific. He's always putting out new music. Much of it is extremely video game inspired, unofficial and official video game remixes. He also works closely with the Materia Collective and Tiny Waves. Both are amazing record labels that specialize in putting out video game themed music both official remixes and unofficial remixes. And to top it all off, just recently, Robo Rob spearheaded, produced, and organized the official Kingdom Hearts 3 remix album entitled Kingdom Heartbeats. We cover a lot of ground on this episode, starting out with how Rob landed the official Kingdom Hearts 3 remix gig in the first place, and talk about breaking into the industry, specifically for those music producers or people interested in getting into making music for video games, doing official remixes, etc. Rob is a great resource and a great person to listen to. We get into his earliest video game memories, and what's very interesting about Rob, his earliest memories do not involve an NES or Mario Brothers. We get into his college days going balls deep into RTS games, Age of Empires, Command and Conquer, Warcraft, and how those type of games helped him go through a serious bout of depression. We get into Borderlands, which is easily one of Rob's favorite video game franchises. He likes that franchise so much that him and his friends got together in 2014, created a group called RPG Unit, and they put out a six-track Borderlands-themed rap album. That's right, a Borderlands rap album. And it's surprisingly good. It was featured on Katana. And Randy Pitchford himself, the creator, the director, the CEO of Gearbox Software, who makes Borderlands, even gave the EP some love. And surprise here, any conversation with me inevitably ends up going into the world of JRPGs, and we spend some time nerding out about our favorite JRPG franchises. We also end up ruminating over loot boxes, bad product launches, bad game launches, specifically Star Wars Battlefront 2 how that launch happened, and just loot boxes uh, and greedy developer practices in general and how that's shaping the industry. I'm super honored to have someone as prolific as Rob on the podcast. I had a great time talking to him, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. What's up, Rob? Yo. So uh, you're hanging out in your bedroom, about to talk about some video games. <laughs> it's, it's where I it's where I play them, so might as well. I didn't uh, I didn't know you were going to be streaming from your bedroom, so again, my apologies. This is Robo Rob, 
most of you probably already know who he is, but for those who don't, why don't you give tell us why we should uh, give a shit about your gaming opinions, Mr. Rob? <laughs> I've been doing it for a while, you know, been playing games for a while. Mostly, mostly so I can have street cred. You got to have street cred now, and that's the only way to get it. It's video games, it seems. Yeah, but, uh, you also uh, <laughs> you're involved in video. He's being bashful. You're a little more involved in the video game culture and world than you're letting on. Eh, yes and no. I've done some video game remix albums here and there. Um, oh, just the official one for Kingdom Hearts three. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Nah, Not a big don't deal. worry about it. How's that? Uh, how's that doing? By the way, I, last I saw you were posting, things were looking good. Yeah, things are are looking good. Um, it, financially speaking, we've made back what we put into it, so we're really happy about that. Only three months in, and we're already like going pretty hard. Um, and uh, we charted on Billboard, which was dope. Um, I think it was 14, and then we bumped up to 12 in our second week, and then we kind of leveled off. And, <laughs> you yeah. know how those things go, but uh, but that was pretty cool to to be charting on. Billboard is like it's stupid for video game music. Like that never happens. <laughs> and what's so, uh? It was called. What was it called again? It's called Kingdom Heartbeats. Kingdom Heartbeats. And uh, we remixed he... okay. music from one and two Kingdom Hearts one and two, and then uh, we remixed Face My Fears as well from the new game. <laughs> How did you guys... Uh, that's an officially licensed remix album, right? Mm-hmm. How did that process come about? How did... Did they so, reach out to you? Well, um, a guy named Sebastian who works... Who, well, he owns and runs Material Collective. Excuse me. <coughs> Cut that out. <coughs> Sorry. Um, he... So a guy named Sebastian, he owns and runs Materia Collective, and he and I have been friends since, uh, I want to say, like, 2016. Um, I had just started a label with uh, my friend, a couple friends in Florida at that in 2016, and we put out an Undertale remix uh, game, um, compilation. And it had it was crazy. It had, like, 50 tracks on it. It was, it was nuts. Um but we went through Sebastian who was, who owned and worked for louder at the time. And they, they were in charge of taking care of all the licensing for that. So he branched off from louder and started material collective, which is just pretty much just distributing. And, um, it's, it's distribution. It's also like he, he got us, he got a lot, he gets a lot of placements for, for the artists that sign, but it's all associated to video game remixes and video game uh, music. So um, they also do, uh, they, they've also, well, let me, let me go back just a little bit further in, I think the first album we, yeah, it was Undertale. And then after, right after that we did Kirby album. Um, and that kind of, that popped off a little bit. And what got us to be able to get to the point where we are now is that album is the one that got us a cease and desist because we didn't do our licensing correctly. Um, so, so he stepped in. Yeah. He stepped in on our behalf. Um, and on my label's behalf, tiny waves. And he said, 
uh, and he basically, t- he was like, okay, I'll, I'll make sure that everything's taken care of. Um, he took care of all the legal stuff. We licensed, he like he got the tracks licensed correctly. He, he bought the mechanical license. So now every time that any of our tracks get played, everyone's getting paid correctly and re- royalty splits are, you know, done up correctly and stuff like that. Um, so it's a pretty crazy behind the scenes process. I don't really like, I just go to him every time I, and he re- just, re- he handles all the, the nitty he handles it. Yeah, he handles everything. Um, and he started Material Collective, I think, the same year, 2016. Um, and they've just been, they've been going off ever since then. They, like, they officially, are they officially the music distributors for, um, Devolver Digital and who else? Um, I know they did Celeste, the game Celeste. They did Undertale. They did Deltarune. Um, and then a, a lot of uh, a lot of underground, not underground, but like independent video game, indie game companies, de- developers, yeah. and stuff. Um, I know that they license for Stardew Valley, um, just all over the place. And then on top of that, they they take care of all the licensing, mechanical licensing, and distribution for video game remixes. So um, it's yeah, it's a pretty lengthy process, but. Yeah, they have. I'm on their about, and I'm looking at Spira music from Final Fantasy X, Xanarkand mix, and there's so fifty track album, and it's all yeah. it seems like it's you know like official, and there's and then they go back, and the number of releases is insane. I knew them, I knew who they were from some like Reddit video game threads, and I thought it was just like a place where people released the opposite, just like small, not licensed fan stuff, which is. Uh-uh. I think in that same Reddit thread, maybe not a material collective, we've talked about this before, is how I discovered you, not knowing you lived in Utah. Yeah, at the time, yeah. In what, like 2012, I think? Something like that. I I discovered some video game remixes. I just was like, oh, this is some uh, well-known video game remix guy, which I guess you have been for a long time. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I was just some dude playing with FL Studio in his basement. (laughs) Well, now you've come from there all the way to uh, an official remix album for Kingdom Heartbeats, which shout out to Material Collective. I guess we're hooking you up with that. Yeah, they and uh, they, they've been they, man. They they went above and beyond. Uh, this was kind of their first foray into e- electronic music mixing, like a, a dedicated a dedicated remix album that they released on their own. So. Yeah. Uh, this, they took a lot of, a lot of chances and they basically like, but Sebastian's great. He, he came to me and he's like, Hey, I like what you do already. I think that you can put a good team together of people that can get it done. And then they did, you know, like th- how many, I don't, I don't know. Let's see. Let me think of Arthur X medic on a couple tracks. Um, yeah, I see him slightly. On- yeah, Slyleaf did vocals for Passion, which is the Japanese version of the Kingdom Hearts 2 of Sanctuary. Um, and then Tofuku sang on Face My Fears and Simple and Clean. Um, and then other people that were on there, let me think. Arthur X Medic, I said him. Uh, Mega Flare, Kabuki, Chuck Nunn. He, Chuck Nunn did Face My Fears with me. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, and I'm just double checking i'm pulling up the page but yeah that that's it <laughs> so sweet man 
Well, yeah. To say, all friends, all homies, amazing producer, amazing vocalists. So you you put not only did you do the remix, he came to you and you put the, together everyone. You were like project manager, so to speak. Yeah, project manager, and in the most basic sense of the term, like of uh, the producer. Like I I made the, the album happen for sure. Yeah. You can do more. Was it or was it yep. Uh, hard? Yep. I'm sure, it was <laughs> no, hard. They, uh, we just finished. We're we're actually in the in the end stages of finishing up contracts for the next one, which is going to be a. It's untitled, obviously, but it's going to be writing off the Final Fantasy VII remake. So we're gonna we're gonna do a bunch. We're gonna do a big Final Fantasy VII album. Things gonna be like twelve tracks, I think, at this on this one. So we're pretty excited to tackle that. <laughs> Sweet man. That uh, when do you think that's coming out? When can people expect it? Um, I think we wanted to have it out at least digitally. Um. D- before Final Fantasy VII comes out, but I know that he wanted to do vinyl again, so uh, he's pushing to get all the March all right the, next year. Yeah, it comes out in March next year. Yeah, so vinyl usually takes about four months to get completed, front to back, all the test pressings and stuff like that. So, well, it's stu- as people are super stoked or nervous, depending on what you think about Final Fantasy VII remake, we can enjoy some some remixes maybe to soothe our pain if it's a disappointment <laughs> i don't i don't think it's gonna be a disappointment man i'm looking forward to it <laughs> yeah i think so i mean i'm only i'm only nervous just because that they they completely stopped one developer and started from scratch or sort of said they were starting from scratch it's still episodic i believe last i read uh, yeah last i heard um but anytime like you scratch a developer and move in house or something and there's Troubled development, which is what happened to fifteen, it just makes me a little nervous. But uh, it's such a it's such a big game for them. I, I'm sure they know it has to be. It has to. Yeah, be Yeah, I mean, that's why it kept getting pushed back, pushed back. I think it was re, it was re announced in like 2015, right? <laughs> like, it's been a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. So how? They, I mean, 13, 15, FF fifteen. I, development cycle was 13 years wasn't it or something crazy yeah they'd been working on 15 since they had been working on like 10 dude like it's been a long time yeah so it's not quite that long so i guess i don't have to be 15 i mean i'm sure we'll get to it but uh 15 was like this weird experience for me because i was really stoked for it i had been following it since it was uh announced as versus 13 with uh i think they called it fabula novus crystallis like series or world yeah yeah worlds um, i think right worlds or something like that and there was going to be some other offshoot games and by the time and then there was the long long wait which you forget about it and you have all this hope and then you forget about yeah. it yeah. when i actually played it there were things about it that were magical specifically driving around to the retro music like the old you could pick what game soundtracks of past final fantasies to listen to mm-hmm. the car. yeah that combination was i really really liked the battle system was good but I've mentioned this on a few other podcasts. It's just, you could tell it was like something that got scrapped and then patched together. And it was like the hot job of things. And the, the I don't know, by the time it ended, I was left a little bit wanting. And then a friend of mine who's been on the podcast is a super big nerd, turned me on to some stuff that was on NeoGAF and some other, some forums about the, who was it? The original director, they like canned him and they brought in someone else to finish it. Anyway, it was, 
the original director's scope and idea. And when I read through all of that, I could see what pieces were left over and how they, what they cut. And it just made me like really let down. Yeah. I and, think I remember the article you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I think just, I read that one. Yeah. It was specifically one or two articles and it made more sense. Like when you, have you beaten it? No, uh, I got bored. Yeah. Well, surprise, <laughs> surprise, but you get, it's like, uh, did you ever play Xeno gears on PS one? Oh yeah. Forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite games. If you remember on the fourth disc, like the pacing of the game completely changes and it's just like cut scenes where you read and battles and there's no like walking around, no towns, no world, mm-hmm. nothing because they just had, they ran out of time and money and they just had to finish the game. Yeah. Um, same thing happened with 15. There's a point when you get to the game, you get on like the train and once you get on the train, the, the game just turns into the same thing, like straight hallways and cut scenes and then it's over and mm. it's quite a, anyway, it's just a weird way to end it, and it felt really weird. I know they fleshed out some stuff with, like, DLC. They had, like, episode art and whatever that Yeah, uh, one of my friends, is re- it's, like, his favorite game now. He hated it at first, but now it's his favorite game because of the DLC, he said. Interesting. Yeah, I bought it on the Windows Edition, like, when it came with the DLC, and I installed it, and I started a new game, and I made it about... 45 minutes was just like, I can't play this again. And then you're just like, oh man, this is such a grind. I don't want to deal with this again. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, unfortunately. But I do think seven will be good. I heard, did you, I read, I believe, Ajiana Kotaku, like a big site, that they're saying episode one of the remake, which is just Midgar, is going to be a full 60 hours. Did you yeah, uh, I I I don't know where I heard that. I think I was talking with someone else about it, but I don't. That if if so, then hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, yeah. Um, you weigh into JRPGs as oh, well, yeah. like me. Uh, is- yeah, well, more ARPGs, uh, okay. but yes, uh, definitely into JRPGs. I I don't know if I've really played like a a true JRPG in the last little while that I have enjoyed. You know, like I should say I I'm a big fan of what I consider like classical or golden age JRPGs. I don't play them at all anymore. The, the formula doesn't work for me now. But uh Right. Like I said, ARPGs, something a little more it's just turn based is hard for me unless it's like strategy, like a town. Mm. I liked Banner Saga, which is Banner Saga. Yeah, Banner Saga was really cool. I, I they came out with three. I haven't played it yet though. I haven't played three either. So yeah, um, I've been playing. Um, I've been playing a lot of Pathfinder Kingmaker lately. I, I got it like two weeks ago, and I think I've already put in like thirty hours. <laughs> Pathfinder Kingmaker. Mm-hmm. What is that? I'm gonna look it up. Kingmaker. Pathfinder Kingmaker. Interesting. I've never even heard of this. Whose dog is this? It's pretty fun. It's um, the only thing I don't like it, which is like you know. Most gamers will be like, well, just get good. You know what I mean? But, like, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> just get good. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, it goes off the Pathfinder core rule book. So everything is just pulled straight out of there. All the spells, all the damage, all all the all the fighting, uh, combat system, everything, man. Like, the this loot system. Like, uh, kind of like an Icewind Dale or Baldur's Gate type. Yeah, it's very Baldur's Gatey. Yeah. Thing is it? Uh, what are you playing it on? PC. Okay. Okay. Is the is the 
What is, I was going to guess, is your earliest video game, well, what year were you born? I was born in 85. I say exact same year as me. All right. So. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say, I think we're the same age, man. <laughs> and a lot of people that have been on the podcast so far have been the exact same age or like around like 85 to 80, yeah. maybe. And so it's interesting to see what, what I always ask what the very, very first video game memory is. Um, it's been <clears throat> more different than I expected. <laughs> I think you might, I don't know, maybe you, you might not have this, have had this, uh, answer yet but ColecoVision Star Wars definitely had not that ColecoVision <laughs> uh, yeah my dad um, had a ColecoVision and it was just hooked, hooked up in the living room you know so we would just play it all the time oh this is cool and looking ColecoVisions were cool but they definitely didn't have the engine to last like the Atari definitely like outsold and outplayed the ColecoVision but um, he never, we never got a Nintendo or an original Nintendo. Really? Um, really, yeah. That is um, totally different than most people. So you started with I, the Coleco. Was your dad into games? Like My dad was into games. He put me on to uh, the computer first. Ah. Um, so I was playing Wolfenstein 3D. I was playing Doom. I was playing all these, like, PC shooter games when I was a kid. Um, and then he got, I say he got me, but he actually got a Super Nintendo for him and let for me him. play it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is probably what I'm going to do with my kids when they're old enough to play video games. But, you know, um, well, I mean, my, my oldest is 11 and she, we play Overwatch together. So that, you know, that's fun. She loves Overwatch. And, but, so uh, before he got the SNES, in that period of like ColecoVision and PC games, what's the strongest or fondest memory you have? I think, I think, and it's because of nostalgia, but definitely like the original StarCraft game. Um, I never really, and the original Diablo. I think Diablo came out in ninety six, ninety seven. I was like. 12 years old when I was playing it, um, which I was really surprised that my parents let me have that game <laughs> because they're like super strict Mormons, but like my mom didn't know and my dad didn't care. So, um, you know, and, th- and then I think Age of Empires, I was really into the turn-based yeah, stuff. RTS, yeah, Age yeah. of Empires, as people brought that up in StarCraft. I didn't, it's interesting that you're saying it as one of your earliest memories because most people... That's pretty young to be playing those. Most people bring them up, but as like a late elementary, junior high, even though StarCraft was an older game at that time, still mm-hmm. very popular. Same thing with Age of Empires. Sounds but my, you were playing my dad way would, My dad bought it, yeah. Like my dad, if it was if there was a game out on the market, new game out on the market, he bought it. Like he just, he was really into it. I remember coming home from school one day and he was playing dark forces, the star Wars dark oh. Forces and stuff. And I'm just like, what is this? And like my, <laughs> my 10 year old, my 10 year old self is just like, Oh my God, are we good to play as play star Wars on the computer? You know, like I'm a, I'm a big star Wars nerd. You know that. So. I do know this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, dark so. forces was one of those games. I didn't have a PC as a little kid. But mm-hmm. my uh, cousins that lived by me had a Mac, and it was one of the few games at some point was released on Mac. I think it was released on Mac a few years later. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember I had played Doom, but 
the uh, like the sprites and the graphics were like definitely like a step above. And uh, I loved the just like the screen before you launch um, on a what's it called like a mission, and you see oh, like, yeah. the person. Well, it's an actual movie. Yeah, it's a yeah. little movie. And you have the ship and the loading screen and like that. Yeah, those like three D rendered graphics at the time were really new to me. And I oh, man, I've loved that game. So I basically played it all the way through, and probably pissed off my uncle because just sitting in his living room for hours and hours. <laughs> so I guess, That's funny. My own kid's not even playing this. What what's going on? Yeah. What's your um? So let's talk about what would you say before Dark Dark Forces? I wanted to ask another question. I can't remember. Uh, let's see. I said Diablo, Dark Forces. Where I was oh, playing Starcraft. Starcraft. Yeah. I was What's your Starcraft. uh? What What do you remember about Starcraft that really caught you? Because people bring this one up a lot, so I want to sort of pull out what's different for people. <clears throat> I liked I liked the fact that you each race. It, it was one of the. I mean, it really was one of the first games where each race played completely different, and then you could play each of those races completely differently as well. You could really just cater your your play style to whichever race you wanted to play, and there were tactics again. My my favorite games were the were the games where all three races were on the same map. You know, like yeah, you had to play that game of chess. Versus, you know, in two against two people at the same time. Um, yeah, that's what I really liked about it. Um, but at the same time, uh, I was, I was also, you know, I was also like 10. So I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that good at it anyways. I just thought it was fun, like running around and like killing aliens and stuff with Marines. I thought that was really cool, you know, coming straight from like, Wolf, Wolfenstein 3D and Doom and Qu- and I played Quake a little bit, but it was that was a little too much for me at that age, I think. Yeah. Okay, so, but, you, uh, so you around the same much- time though, well, oh, no, ahead. not the same time, but a little earlier. I think my parents got my dad got me a Super Nintendo when I was like nine, nine or ten. We got one. All right, and of and course, we got all the all the games for it, you know, like uh, F Zero and Mario and Super Mario and Yoshi's Story and all that stuff. Yoshi's what, Island, I mean. What blew your mind the most, and why, when you first got it? I, I don't know, man. That's a hard question. I think my favorite thing about the Super Nintendo was just that I don't think I played one game that wasn't like fun in some way. Yeah. Um, you don't there have were a, some you games don't have that a, were boring but you know you <laughs> which ones were boring oh my god i remember being disappointed in the star trek next generation game it was really like it was all it was all just like warp around to these different planets beam down talk to people beam back up hope you don't get trapped by aliens and it had really bad fighting mechanics it was hard to shoot the phasers and stuff and it was like if Captain Picard dies, then your game is over. <laughs> so, like, I I didn't even know there was a Star Trek game on Super. It was I'm watching, bad. I'm watching some gameplay right now. It reminds me a little bit of Jurassic Park. See, and that's the other, like Jurassic Park for Super Nintendo was garbage, but the, the Sega version was so fun. Yes, yes, that's one of the few. I was a Sega kid, and uh, I think I, over time I knew that the SNES was better. But I had spent all this money. I saved up for years to get a Sega. My parents had this deal with me. I was, like, really attached to it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and what that was one of the few games the Sega had better. It had a better Jurassic Park. It had a better Aladdin. And it had a Mortal, better Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah, and the Mortal Kombat had blood. That was a big one. It's like yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat had blood. blood. I remember the Hobbit. I played not the Hobbit. Not the, it wasn't the Hobbit. It was the other. It was a game about the Hobbit. Um, Genesis. Oh, what was that game that? called? Willow. It was Willow. Oh, um, Willow on Genesis. Willow on Genesis was super fun. I remember, I remember my friend, so my friend had a Genesis and he lived like, I want to say I, a couple neighborhoods over. Um, I would go over to his place and we would switch consoles. Like my parents would let us switch consoles and switch games. So he would get mom, he would get my Super Nintendo for the weekend and I'd get his Genesis for the weekend. So and, I was uh, going to ask. So you didn't own a Genesis, but that's how you got exposed to Genesis games. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I played it. And, I, and like to be honest, and you know, I, I know this is blasphemy with some people, but like I don't, I don't really like as many games on the on the Genesis. I don't, I'm not really a big Sonic fan. Like I do like some platforming games, but Sonic, as big as he is, and as much as he carried the platform, I just never cared as much. Um, I was always more into like the Mario platforming for sure. Did you ever play um, Cyborg Justice? <laughs> no, what's that? <laughs> it was just... I wish I could share my screen with you. I guess I could. Um, present now your entire screen. Uh, this was the uh, my favorite game on Genesis. I put a lot of hours into it. And no one has known it. I was kind of hoping that maybe you'd be the one. You'd be the one. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Can you see? I can, yeah. So what you could do is, um, this intro would blow my mind back in the day. Right. Yeah. Um, so you played this, you're like this main guy right here and there was every sprite was modular and built out of different parts. So you could swap your torso, your, like the top half, your legs and each arm. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And pick them up from enemies. And so like certain levels, you'd have to like steal someone's legs that had jump because you needed to jump over obstacle. Oh, you yeah, have to steal yeah. the right arm, and all of them had different um, pros and cons. And I don't know if it was very popular. I've never met anyone else that was in it, but I just put so many hours into this. <laughs> so I mean, it looks hours. it looks pretty fun, but no, I never played it. Oh man, look at that! It looks good. Like it looks good for a Genesis game. It looks yeah. It was. Uh, I remember Vector Man being kind of like the best graphical Genesis game. It came out. Sort of the inner comic zone was another big one that people got big about. But so you give me what your, um, I guess, top three, like strongest or most nostalgic SNES and Genesis memories. If you can think of any. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know. Nostalgia. I mean, they're all nostalgic. You know, whenever I place a, play a Super Nintendo, I always just feel like you know it's my it was my first console you know like yeah so all all super nintendo games were that for me um i think one of my favorite things was just playing through the super star wars games i don't know if you ever played through those or not but i think i played empire strikes back yeah uh it was it was cool because they stuck to the story, but they also let you go off and do your own thing a little bit. Um, they let you explore the world of Star Wars on the Super Nintendo. Like that was just that was just cool for me being a Star Wars nerd when I was a kid and being able to play as Luke or Chewie or 
I think you could play as Han in the third in the Return of the Jedi. Oh, um, it's got this like sort of F Zero Mario Kart driving section. This is pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah, that was another thing too. You had these, um, you had these sections where you, depending on you know the the movie or the situation. Um, I think on um, on Hoth, you were flying around in the snow speeders and shooting down at ats, and then like. There's a cloud city spot where you were shooting down all those cloud car, all these cloud cars. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, okay, I didn't have it in the movie, but whatever. It's, it's fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, they, is there any game that sticks out on Genesis? It's like the least one that you thought was pretty cool and got into. I think, I think you said it earlier. I think it was a, probably Aladdin, uh, oh, because, yeah. Yeah, because I had Aladdin on the, that was, was when you brought that up, I was like, heck yeah, because when I, I had Aladdin on the Super Nintendo and I was stoked on it. I was like, this is the coolest game ever. You know, it's like, I loved the movie and I loved the, I love jumping around on people's heads and platforming with Aladdin and Abu and all this stuff, riding around the magic carpet. And then you get in, and then you played it on, on, <laughs> Genesis, and you have a sword. <laughs> so, yeah, it was way better. I'm, and just the platforming was smoother. It felt so much better to control. It has really good animation. Like I'm watching it. I don't know if you're still looking at the screen for like Genesis game. It looks, it's aged really well. Yeah, it 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 still looks really good. Like you can definitely tell that they they used the Disney art style and they adapted that into the video game. And uh, his movements and his animations and stuff are really good i wonder why they were so different because usually they'd be like the same game kind of ported on both and i wonder why the aladdin's were they developed by different studios do you remember or i think i looked into this years ago but i think it was they were different studios um i don't think capcom made the one for genesis i can't remember though yeah the aladdin Um, on snes i mean it doesn't look bad but it's not it looks it's little, not as good. Yeah, it's not as good. Sweet. All right, so you, the SNES is kind of what is your first console. You got way into it. Your dad's already a gamer. Are you already a, sort of identifying as a gamer at this point? I think so. I, you know, I... Uh, <clears throat> Chrono Trigger was another one. Chrono Trigger got me through some, you know, some of those... Some of those tough, those stories got me through some tough teenage years. I didn't play it when I was when I was a kid, kid, but um, I played that one a little later on. And I think I was probably like twelve or thirteen when I was playing Chrono Trigger for the first time. Yeah, so you'd be surprised, but you're the first person to bring up Chrono Trigger, which is oh, really dis- disheartening to me. So I want to talk about Chrono Trigger a little bit it's more. It's like one of the most popular games for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> it is, it is uh, a lot of people, I mean, most places, whether it's a listicle on a big game site or a small, someone's personal blog, and they're talking about RPGs or JRPs in particular, it's almost always number one for soundtrack. Or in the oh, top for three. sure. <laughs> and it's, it's always in the top five at the lowest for just JRPs in general. And, um, right. Yeah. The soundtrack. Yeah. I want to. I mean, I could talk about. It. We're interviewing you. I want to. If you can, I know you probably played it more than one time, so you might get some memories conflated. But. I played it. I played it through when I was younger. I played it over and over again. I got the same ending twice, but the other, but I think two other, two or three other times that I played through it, I got different endings, which were, which was, you know, groundbreaking at the time. Who does that? <laughs> oh, so great. And some of the endings were crazy. Like, uh, 
It wasn't until I replayed it, the one that came out with Final Fantasy, whatever, four, the Japanese, and, and Chrono Trigger yeah, on PlayStation yeah, yeah, 1. Yeah, yeah. It was Final Fantasy Anthology. And uh, there was the internet by then, so I had, like did a perfect playthrough, and you had to do New Game Plus to get enough rainbow shells to, totally, right, yeah. to get rainbow everything. For those who don't know, it's like in a JRPG, there's always like the best weapons or the, the ultimate gear. And you couldn't get the ultimate gear for every character unless you played the game multiple times, which means you also can experiment with multiple endings. And uh, I remember after like two or three, I killed, I got Chrono was strong enough that I killed Lavos at the very beginning of the game in like the the uh, in, fair when you're not. In, yeah, in the, in, the, in the, the first time you meet him. Well, you can, uh, if you go through the wrong teleporter, even before you meet him, when the princess disappears and you follow her into the teleporter, if you follow t- to the other teleporter, it's like within the first five minutes of the game, you you don't, it's not even where you meet him in the story, it teleports you straight to Lavos. Really? So, but if you've done like New Game Plus Plus or Plus Plus Plus, like Chrono by himself is super OP and you can kill him. And then the ending is you go to the end of time, which is like that. I love that map, the end of time map, where it was like just a little walkway and fade to black. It felt so mm-hmm. mysterious and mystical. You go there, and it's one of the older dudes, like Belthasar or Gaspar. I can't remember his name. And uh, he says, like, you weren't supposed to beat it this quick. And then it, it says something like, uh, what was it? Like, thank you from Chrono Trigger... Beat Lavos beginning ending. I don't want to mess this up. Let's see. Earliest Lavos speedrun. Three minutes and 24 seconds. Um, I don't know if it's, it's not going to show the ending. Anyway, you go to the end of time and they basically have like a tongue in cheek sort of not a real ending it's just the developers like really yeah it's like a develop developer yeah, meta ending developer <laughs> meta ending and I, that was the first time i had been exposed to anything anything like that and it blew my mind if you can think of one moment that really stands out in that game what would it be i think the first time my i know i don't i mean i guess not because it's the first time someone's brought up chrono trigger but meeting frog for the first time um and he just comes to the rescue and then and then later on he's like i'm you know i'm so sorry i you know like he he has that moment where he is able to redeem himself and i don't know man like i love frog he's my favorite character in the game <laughs> yeah he's just, uh, he's i like that you um yeah he has an interesting story and that you his sword i'm pulling up the uh the cutscene from the PlayStation version where they had these awesome like Dragon Ball Z style animation cutscenes that were so cool. That was another thing about that. Game yeah, like he was about. a he was a squire and then turned into a frog by Magus, yes. um, who and Magus killed Cyrus. Is I think how he got like, and I think he was. I, I don't remember if he was like thrown back in time or if he was started back in in six hundred. AD, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, yeah, he he like made friends with people back then, and then he was able to. Um, he, I think he just became like a hermit for a while, and then Kronos yeah. came along, and then and then you have to go forward in time, and then all the way back to the beginning of time to to yeah, it, there, there's there's. <laughs> 
I I love that game. <laughs> At the time, it just blew my mind, you know, because like I don't really like time travel stories, but that everything that you did in the past affected the future, and to me, that's like okay, that that makes sense, you know. <laughs> like, yes. And that's, I remember, you know, like, that's one of the things I hate about like Star Trek's time, time story, like time travel stories is like, they always go back in time and they always screw something up and then they go back and then they somehow magically go back into their future, which is yes. perfect just the way they left it. And it's like, it's not how <laughs> any of this works. Yeah, I get what? my time travel ideas. <laughs> I got, this is where I like think of time travels. Like, it's not going to. That it was it's not going to work that way. It, it felt like me playing it for the first time younger and even a little bit older. I, I, there wasn't any glaring holes. With time travel, there's always holes. And I'm sure there's someone out there that's nitpicked Chrono Trigger. You know? Oh, sure. I'm sure that they're out there. But I liked, like, uh, one of the examples was if you didn't, something with the reptile, 6500 BC or 65 million BC, if you didn't beat that or something about that, the ending would be reptiles had taken over the world. Yes. And I thought that was, that was, yeah, again, one of the, oh man, yeah, that, so cool. That was my, that was my first ending. Oh, I really? <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't beat him. Um, but the second time, the second time I was able to go back with Chrono, and I, I think you take Luca back to that time the, in, and you are, and you have to defeat, ah, oh, who was it? Um, I can't remember that. I can't remember its yeah, name. Yeah, it's the Dino guy. Yeah, Dino yeah. Boss Chrono Trigger. Because that's where you meet the the uh, Zala. Zala, yeah. 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 All right. So Chrono Trigger. Um, did you get into um, Final Fantasy two or Final Fantasy three, the American versions? Not until later. I know my first later. Final Fantasy game was um, was actually Final Fantasy ten. What? Yeah, it was a what? long time before I even picked up Final Fantasy games. Holy cow! I didn't I, have a I didn't have a PS one, and and uh, I when I finally got a PS two, I was like, I'm gonna see what all this Final Fantasy crap's all about. And so I picked up ten, and I loved it. I loved it, man. I like all the cheesiness, all the story, Did characters. You, so you played Chrono Trigger as a young kid on Super Nintendo. Yeah. How, how come no other JRPGs? How did you not get Final Fantasy three or six? It's so I don't know, man. I just I just stayed I just stayed on. I, I played more RT. I played more computer games. I was I was a computer gamer for a long time. Mm. Okay, that and, makes sense. So, yeah. Any other during this Super Nintendo time? Is there a, a newer computer game, or is it still basically StarCraft, Diablo? Because no one's actually talked about PC. Most people had a console, so I'd be interested about what PC games, older PC games, stand out. Any like. Um, MS DOS, floppy disk. Yeah, <laughs> floppy disk games. Yeah, um, I think my favorite my favorite PC games from the nineties were probably those that what I mentioned earlier. Your StarCraft, your um, your Duke Nukem's. I played Baldur's Gate, but like later and only a little bit. It did, I didn't really it didn't really appeal to me for a while. Um, when you say Duke, then, you know, Duke like, Nukem, was it the side scroller one or the early 3D? Uh, it was it was 3D. It came out in like '97, I think. '97, I think. I think. I can't remember. And your parent? Did uh, your parents know you could uh, get strippers to show them your boobies? 
Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) That was the big thing about that game. That was legendary when I was a kid. It was like 10 or 12 or something, man. (laughs) (laughs) Or if if they did know, my dad didn't care, you know? (laughs) It's like, whatever. (laughs) Wow, interesting, because I've also really LDS parents, and they they were not (laughs) even close to being cool with anything along those lines. They were very strict. Well, so. I mean, they weren't. If they caught me doing something like that, then yeah, I'd, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't like proactively looking out for it. Yeah, they weren't like stalking my computer play, which is, which is funny because, it. I think it ended. Up, I think I ended up having to stop playing some of those games because when we moved, we moved into a, a big house. They wanted a dedicated office. And they put the family computer out in the in the living room next to the TV entertainment system uh, because my dad was like, "Oh, we can put movies on the computer and we can watch movies from the computer on our TV." Like, no, like, no, I can't play, play in know. secret. But uh, but then I was like, oh, "Okay, well, Diablo Two is coming out in a couple of years. I'm not going to be able to play that, I guess." <laughs> but I got a laptop and played it anyway. So did you do so in between Super Nintendo and uh, later you got a PS2? Did you do Game? Uh, excuse me, sixty four. I did sixty four. I, I, I uh, had a sixty four, um, but I didn't really like. I liked it, but I don't know. The controller was just super weird to me. I never really like. I hate this Nintendo sixty four controller. It's probably the worst controller I can think of for a console. <laughs> I agree. It just felt, it just felt so weird, man. Like the, the, uh, the placement of that middle joystick or whatever with the Z button underneath it and stuff. Like, I don't know, man, just like, I get it. Nintendo's always been like different <laughs> with their controllers and stuff. They always come up with something different or new, but, uh, this, it, this is not playing out at all. How, cause I, you like way into Kingdom Hearts, and I knew you were into RPGs, so I was expecting you to be... What I was expecting would, was similar to me, like a lot of JRPGs on Super Nintendo, and then there's so many on PlayStation 1. It was like... And then... Um, but you did... Yeah, there were, I, didn't, I didn't play any PlayStation 1 games until, like, later. I didn't play Kingdom Hearts until it came out on PlayStation 1. They did the, they did the reissue. Um, or PlayStation 2, I mean. Um, yeah. But I played a lot of... Uh, I played a, I played a lot of like I played Final Fantasy twelve, which was super fun. Um, probably one of my f- more favorite ones. I know a lot of people don't like it as much, but I played the Dragon Quests. Um, I think Dragon Quest eight and nine were on PS two. Um, Persona three and Persona four, ooh, both ooh, on PS two. Um, Rogue Galaxy. I don't know if you played that one, but yes. that was that one was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're your first one to bring that up. That was a. Uh, that was like I think that was an early. That was level five, same, like an early level five game, right? Rogue. Uh, yes, it, sure was, it was. Yes, level five. Yes, it is. And it had like yeah, one of the earlier cell shaded games. I remember having cell shaded graphics. It's interesting that you. So you got into RPGs basically with the PS2 and Final Fantasy X. You had done Chrono Triggers, somehow missed all the other ones. What about X? Because it seems like once you played X, then you got into them. What about X yeah, sort of sucked you it was, in? It was, t- it was X's. Uh, I really loved the uh, the 
the skill system, like the or what? I don't know what what did they call it? The materia system, oh, the whatever spear, you use to level the up. Grid. The spear grid, yeah, I loved that. I loved that. I loved mapping out everything and like making making it all map out together, so all my characters like gelled together better. Um, grind grinding and towards the end of Final Fantasy twelve just didn't feel like a grind to me, or ten. I mean, it didn't feel like a grind. I I had fun like making sure I was strong enough to fight the final final boss. What was it called? What was his name Sin or something like that? Sin, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I love the characters. They're all like cheeky and corny and cute in their, in their own way. Like very animated, very fun characters. Um, and then, and then it was after that that I played. I played the first Kingdom Hearts. First one was great. Loved it. Still in it. And honestly, like I played it again a little bit, and it like doesn't really hold up that well. <laughs> <laughs> um. The controls are clunky and the leveling system is like not good, <laughs> especially when you get up to the higher levels. Um, or, as, and especially in New Game Plus, it does not let, it doesn't level you very well in New Game Plus. It's not fun to play again. I remember um, the hype, the hype cycle for that game was so weird when, when they announced, like, hey, this is going to be a Disney and a Square mashup. Yeah. And no one knew what to expect. Um, I did like the first one a lot as well, but it was before the story got just so convoluted. It got so convoluted. You know, once you find that niche, you know, I guess you got to hold on to it. But I don't like the fact that in in Kingdom Hearts 3, they basically said, nope, forget everything that all those other games did. We're doing our own thing now. And I, uh, Did you I, beat I'll, Kingdom Hearts 3? No. <laughs> I still I, haven't. I pre-ordered it with... Bought the collector's edition, and I played like six hours, and I just felt betrayed. I didn't. I, <laughs> I just felt so betrayed, and uh, I couldn't remember. I'm like, was Kingdom Hearts? Because it felt like an old game with some nice paint on it, like a fresh coat of paint. Right. And uh, like I, it did. I got a PS4 Pro, and even on performance mode, it was like still. Like kind of glitchy and choppy, yeah. And yeah, that really bothered me. And the story, I just couldn't follow it. And I was like, it, the combat, anyway. It just, it felt like an old game. It wasn't tight, right? Um, I think they, you know, I think they built. I think part of the problem was they built up so much hype around it being three that, you know, in retrospect, the third game was like most of two the all the other two offshoots you know there were yeah. so many other games that actually had good good story arcs and good good uh good enemies and, and but then like like you said the story just started to get so convoluted and i remember the other day someone was uh, some i was like asking not the other day this is i guess you know, months <laughs> months ago uh a friend was. Uh, I was asking a friend, like, man, I didn't play any of those games. Am I going to be lost when I finally get my hands on Kingdom Hearts three? And they're like, uh, just watch this video. It's a really oh, good recap. No, nope. and the recap was like an hour and ten minutes long. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a real <laughs> recap. Yeah, it's just like, no, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that game. Anyway, yeah. Well, yeah, the first two were good. I really liked the second one, the the Sephiroth fight, because I was a big fan of Seven. Played it on mm-hmm. that game, 
And I liked that you had Final Fantasy characters as bosses, and like you had a Coliseum, yeah. and uh, like Sephiroth was like. It's like an optional boss that was pretty hard, and I forget what you get. I was always a completionist, so I always wanted to get mm. the best. And you had to do that fight to get like the one of the best key blades or somebody's best weapon or armor. I, I don't remember. That right. sticks out to me. Um, so you played? You didn't play eleven online, I'm assuming. I didn't know. And then you played twelve. Did you like twelve? I liked twelve. I liked the I liked the switch up in the battle system, and I liked the. Um, it felt very, it felt really fluid to me. Like, I know a lot of people didn't like it because it switched up so much, but I think they did a good job of like converting that, that old style, the older style of the turn based with the new fast paced, uh, Final Fantasy 11 online action that they were trying to go for as well. And they like kind of melded that style of combat, those combat systems together. Um, I agree. and like, I wish that 13, story was not a flop because the graphics were amazing and the combat was super fun but god that game had a horrible story <laughs> you mean 13 not 12 you mean uh 13 yeah 12 13 13 12 was an okay story 12 was an okay story like it it wasn't it wasn't it didn't blow me away you know i didn't like have any twists and turns but then at the same time like None of the Final Fantasy games really have huge twists or turns. They're very much the, the same concept. Like, yes, That's you know, true. person who doesn't know how to do anything gets thrown into the situation and has to learn new skills with his friends to save the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's basically every JRPG, and that person is usually prepubescent, prepubescent boy. Yeah, <laughs> like a fourteen, fifteen-year-old boy. That I was bummed. I really liked twelve because I, I played tactics. And I like the universe mm. of Ivalis or Ivalis. And um, it fit into that world. And all of those games, whether it's Vagrant Story, Tactics, Final Fantasy Twelve, they're less more... They're, they have mystical elements, but they also have political, like more political intrigue. Yeah. And I always liked that. It felt a little bit more grounded. And Twelve was similar. I liked also that you could program... Like, that combat system was... Like yeah, a little MMO ish, but you could also write like really not write but select really basic if then statements and program yep. the AI of your uh, of your you pro- Yeah, that was that was what I we mean with the combat system too, where it's like you they would do this unless this like yes, uh, and that was really cool uh, to that was a cool new new way to fight I think, um, and you could kind of just let things play out, but at the same time you still had to like make sure that your characters weren't taking unnecessary damage and, and you know, if, if you needed to kind of break off and, and have, have two people fight a different boss it's, or a different enemy or whatever, like you could still do that. You could still turn it into more of like a pick what, pick who fights who and pick which actions and all that kind of stuff. Well, so at, yeah. At any time you could control any character manually. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Interrupt it. I also, I don't know if you did this. There was, there's, I was just showing right here, the slimes, on my screen, that slime oh, yeah, section. Yeah. So you have one slime that uh, generates other slimes, and it was there's two spots in the games. If you programmed your characters right, they would only kill the spawned enemies and never the enemy that's doing the spawning. And then they would heal each other from whatever ailments. If you set it up right, you could put it on loop. And I, would, I remember this. Yeah, I would just left my PS2 running for weeks at a time and just got level ninety nine. 
as soon yeah. as I could and kind of broke the game. But I like I like doing that kind of stuff, figuring out where I could break break the game or get ahead when you're not supposed to get ahead, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah, that was a good game. Like, these I'm are glad really you liked good it. graphics too, like for yes. that era. Some of the, all the I Final think the Fantasy art style games holds up. Pushing it. Yeah, it does hold up. Yeah. The, like you this played, this uh, to me, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, hey, this doesn't look that different from Final Fantasy fourteen. Like no. <laughs> it really doesn't. And I played I played that game for a little bit, but the, I, got um, I don't, I don't really like Age? MMOs too much. What's that? Have you played the remaster Zodiac Age? No. It's got really good um what's the word? Like quality of life improvements. Hmm. So I don't know if you remember on twelve you had to not only like get money to buy a weapon, but you also had to unlock the skill to use yeah, yeah, a yeah. weapon. Yeah. And so it was basically like getting new gear with the extra step. There was really no reason. It's just an arbitrary extra step to unlock the skills. With the Zodiac Age, you can um, basically unlock all of them at once and just get rid of that extra step. It has built-in like quick save and quick load. So if you and then it has a, a speed multiplier. Like times two, times four, times six, times oh, eight. Oh, nice. But that's oh. always nice when you're grinding. Yes. For sure. And then the graphics are updated and it runs at a good frame rate and all that stuff. It's it's definitely, if you ever want to replay it, I think it's worth buying the Zodiac Age. Worth, the, some, worth the 20 or 30 stuff. bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really, really liked it. So, all right, so you played, that's got you into JRPGs. Is there any other JRPGs or PS2 games in particular that, there's some big ones that people bring up. That uh, I'm sure you might bring up PS2 JRPGs. Let me think. Um, or just PS2 games in general that stick out to you as was um, was Dark Cloud on PS2? Yes, that was PS2, yes. right? Yeah, that one was really fun. Um, I yeah, I liked um. That was an earlier one, right? That's, that was like that was super a launch title. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I picked that one up later when uh, I don't. Th- I didn't. I didn't get a PS2 until like I think 2004 or five. Like once the bugs had been worked out of yeah. the launch. <laughs> yeah. That was a rough but, uh, launch. The PS2 had a rough launch. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um. No. Not. Not really. Um. Not really JRPGs. Like, like I said, like I play pers- the Persona games, which I still haven't played Persona Five, which is I need to, I need me to get neither. on that. But uh, Persona um, Four was a big one for me. What do you remember? Anything that sticks out to you about that game and why? It's- just the, the music, man. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was hoping to uh, the that. music is just so good. Um, and I like, I like how the Persona games are very much like. The characters are still there for the most part, but like they're their own. You don't have to have played Persona Two to know to no, know what's happening much, in Persona Three. They're just like thematically and formulaically like some 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 carryover, but each one is just, it's like they share the same universe, but they're each one is its own story. Yeah, very 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 much on along the same veins of of uh, of uh, uh, Final Fantasy. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, after that, um, I got a PS3 on launch just because I wanted to play Final Fantasy 13 so bad. But 
um, I think I think thirteen launch. They they said that it was supposed thirteen was supposed to launch with PS3, if I remember correctly. Um, and Kingdom Hearts three was supposed to launch <laughs> with PS3, <laughs> so yeah. that's what we were all were, were hoping for. But I remember playing um, Valkyria Chronicles it was really good. Oh um, yes, I've never played that, but everyone talks about it. Yeah, it's really good. And then like I. I can't remember if I played it on 360 or not, but Star Ocean Last Hope was on. I think that one was on. Um, I think that was on. Yeah, it was on PS3. It was on PS3. I think I tried it because I liked Star Ocean on PS1. Um, but Last Hope, I got pretty far into it, but I can't remember what stopped me. Probably the grind. The grind at the end was just insufferable. I never beat it myself, but it was still a fun, like, holdover game yeah. for me. I think I just went on and read the wiki for the ending. <laughs> but, uh, so there the- was that. Go ahead. No, I was, I was thinking, I was trying to think of other JRPGs that came out during that time. Uh, Nino Kuni was really like. Yeah. Because that one, that one, the art style on that one was just like, oh man, Studio Ghibli, JRPG, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. Nier came out um, in that one, for that one. 2000, I think Nier was 2010. Um, then Demon Souls, Dark Souls. I didn't know Which you got into those games. We never talked about I, that. I, I, I remember talking with you about it. Like, you're way more into it than I am, but... Uh, I, I was very. I would what you would what, what you would call a casual, because <laughs> like <laughs> I would just get I would just get frustrated and turn it off. You know, <laughs> like I never. I don't think I've. I mean, I've never beaten a Dark Souls game ever. <laughs> but That's, I do. En- I do uh, enjoy the world and the and the the story built and the story and the world building and the characters and I just hate the combat system. <laughs> you just gotta get good, bro. Just I know, gotta man. Get good. All right, so we we went like really far ahead in time. Is there anything kind of before you got a little bit older? Just open it up to in general. What, whether it's anything, like what is, what would you say are the best memories you have, and why? Not just like the game, but a lot of times people will talk about a time in their life, or like you said, some games get you through a dark time, or you can yeah you can you uh, attach. A certain like good time with the game you were playing, or a good story with multiplayer. Anything along those lines that sticks out? It's like, oh, I can easily remember that was awesome. Yeah, I think I think one of the games I played a lot was was that I loved was just Warcraft Three, and I, I out of all the all the games I've played, that one probably has the most amount of hours on it. Like. Just being able to, I think the hero mechanic in that one was, was, uh, the best because you had your, you had your basic like RTS base management, that kind of thing. But, but then you had this overarching story where you played as the characters and you played as these heroes. Which, and as far as I think StarCraft did that a little bit, right? But that wasn't StarCraft normal. did a little bit. Um, they did it a lot, they did a lot more in StarCraft 2. Um, but in the first StarCraft, yeah, you definitely like you start out, you're Jim Rayner, you're driving through through town or driving not town, you're driving through the wastelands, you know, killing Zerg with everybody. Um there's definitely a story arc there and that's definitely where they got the idea, you know, to make to make it bigger. Um 
because Warcraft Two really wasn't like that. No, there was uh, no it, heroes. I played there's a lot. No of heroes. Um, but uh, but yeah, Warcraft Three. Um, and at that time, I was going to college, and I just didn't have any friends, so <laughs> it got me through. Got me through the shit. <laughs> Where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to college at Ricks, oh. well BYU Idaho. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Why yeah. did you go there? Uh, because it was cheaper than BYU. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a reason it's cheaper. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that I went there. I just hate that I went there. Like, I met, <laughs> I met so many people that I'm still friends with that I made like industry connections with when I went to school there. So, eh, whatever. <laughs> take the bad with the, take the good with the bad. You know, um, yeah. Like, it, it's ironic because like, and not to get too, we don't have to get too deep into it, but like, going to school there is the reason. Brian, I'm not Mormon anymore. <laughs> like, so it it's just it's funny. It's all. iconic, you know. It's like, yeah, go to a Mormon college and then you come out and you're you don't want to be a Mormon anymore. <laughs> for those for those who aren't Mormon but don't get that reference, uh, the Mormon Church, LDS Church, has two colleges: one in Provo, BYU, and then one in Idaho called BYU Idaho, which used to be called the Ricks College. It was Ricks when you went, right? Uh, they switched it, like, like. I was taking online courses with Ricks and then, and then they switched it. And then, I'm, and then I started going to school there. I graduated from, graduated from high school and went to BYU, Idaho. Well, you, did you grow up in Utah? Mm-mm. I grew up in Washington state. Okay. But because you were Mormon, that makes sense. You, you went to college at either BYU yeah, or BYU. Yeah. I found and like met my first wife there. Like, yeah, we, you know, we ended up starting dating, got married, moved to, moved to Utah. Um, yeah, after I mean, we moved to Washington, then we moved, then we moved back, to, then we moved to Utah. Just and then we had, then we had the baby, and then I, yeah. So yeah, so the college, both those colleges are known because they're owned by a church, the LDS Church, and it has like really, it creates like a weird culture because it's it's a private school, but it's heavily influenced by the church, and BYU Idaho is known for being even more sort of strict. Very strict. crazy about the lifestyle you live there, and you know roommates tattle and rat on other roommates or incentivize. Oh, yeah. It just, I've, yeah, I've heard. Of, so I never went there, but I, I never went to BYU either. But I had a lot of friends that went to BYU, and then I would meet kids that would uh, that went to BYU Idaho or switched, came down, or a lot of kids that got kicked out of either than going to UVU as a secondary. Right. And yeah. Then, and then they're jaded because of these, you know, crazy honor code stories, which is honor code is just basically like the school's lifestyle enforcement policy. I guess you call it. Yeah. And they get yeah. a little crazy with it. Yeah. They made me go crazy with it. <laughs> yeah. I hated it. You wouldn't be the, you um, wouldn't be the first one. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, when that, and that's one of the, I mean, to be honest, it's one of the reasons why I stuck my head into the head into my computer and just played video games all the time. Like, I didn't have any friends there. I didn't want to have any friends there because, I, like, I remember I remember playing. I played a lot of Diablo two at the time, and like people thought I was like demonic, you know, like that's how that's the type of that's yeah. how they are. You know, that's just how that's how they are. They're like, oh, you're playing a video game we call Diablo. You must be you must worship Satan, you know, just dumb crap like that. So, 
But uh, so did being was because gaming is definitely not as stigmatized as it is now. But I oh no, yeah. I, if you had told me like if you had well, I mean to like wrap it back around to like we talked about earlier, if you had told me that I would be able to like make money off of remixing video game music that I like, I would have laughed at you 15 years ago. I would yeah. have told you that's ridic- <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But but now we have all these resources and tools available to, available to us that like literally anyone could be like, I really like this song. I want to remix it or like make it orchestral or make it into a rock song or something. Like you can do that. You can just do that now. No problem. And it's really easy to start making, to, to make a living off of it. Um, and like from, I know, I know so many people, um, in, in the industry now that started out just like making video game remixes and now they're writing music for video games now. Like it, that's just, it's dope. <laughs> it's, it blows me away. And I never not, thought that. Yeah, not only can you make money and there's an ecosystem because games have gotten bigger, but as a result, more people are playing games. And I think you're less likely to run into what you experienced at BYU-Idaho. Like, obviously, there's a religious component to that, but there's also right. a component of people just viewed gamers as losers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. And I, and, and yeah. like some of sometimes I had a talk with I had talk with someone about this exact same thing like yesterday. Um, it's interesting, right? Because like we we went through it, right? Like growing up, being picked on, being laughed at for like in video games or Star Wars or whatever, and then now it's like it's pop culture. It's yes. so widely accepted, and it's not that I don't like that. It's just weird. And I don't think that I'm ever going to really like get accustomed to it because if some kid came up to me and started flossing and then everyone started and then said, it's from Fortnite. Like if someone would have done that and like started make doing a dance from a video game back in high school or middle school, they would have gotten beat up. So it's just this interesting dynamic that, you know, video games were in a was was when I was growing up. Most of the time, were an escape for me. I was able to put myself in another situation, or like build up a kingdom, or or you know save the world. You know, whatever. Play as Luke Skywalker. You know that kind of thing. Like now, it's kind of the same. But like, I play video game. I only really only play video games that I find fun. So. <laughs> My life doesn't suck that much anymore. <laughs> she's she's caught up. She's got some skills now. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any other game during this time in college that besides Diablo or Warcraft that it's playing uh, it's playing a lot of Counter Strike one point six. Uh, one point six dropped in like two thousand one, I think, right? Um two thousand two, I can't remember, but at that in Halo, I remember um Halo was one of those games that turned the jocks into nerds if you yes. if you you know We've talked about that um, in past you know the, it was like that it's a culturally huge it was like the a kid i interviewed in uk said the same thing everyone's mentioned halo to some extent and basically it was the game that made people who weren't into games into at least that game yeah which is crazy like that a game has that big of a cultural impact on yeah. people um but Halo was one of those games. And like still to this day, it's like 
even the remastered versions, I think Halo 2 is probably like one of still one of the best shooter console shooters ever, ever made. Like the story, the graphics, the control, like the, 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 like getting, being able to get a headshot with a pistol, like that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like it did, it took skill. You had to, you had to have skill to be able to play it. But then at the same time, you could just like hang out and play with your buddies, you know? Yeah. Um, that's how Smash was too. You know, it's like, oh, we can just all hang out and play together. There's no, you know, that was one game for the 64 that, that I liked. I have really fond memories of Smash because of just popping it in after school and me and my brothers and sisters and just playing as our favorite, you know, playing as Zelda or not Zelda. Zelda was in a Smash. Um, but Link was, right? Yeah, Link was in Smash. Yeah. Um, Link or Kirby, Mario, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, that was a really fun game. That was a lot of fond memories. And Mario Kart 64 was fun to play. Um, and I think those are more from, like, bonding moments, you know, like being able to connect with my family, my sisters, brothers. My mom still is really good at Mario Kart 64. She's not good your at mom, any of the other ones. but your mom's good at Mario Kart 64? Yeah, she's good at 64, but she's not good at any of the other ones. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. Your mom would play that with Mike. Definitely. For, my dad would kind of tinker. I could get him to play a game out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, definitely could never get my mom. Uh, speaking of Halo, I did you ever... That idea that jocks got good at Halo, I remember there was... Some kids, I also played drums, and I was in, involved in like the music scene, right. rock and roll scene, and there were some kind of like jock, good-looking kids that were part of a local band that was actually really, really good, and they got a little shit in the music scene because they were like popular kids, but the truth be told, they had a, their band was catchy. Like, they were good. Yeah. So there was a reason, you know, that happens, people get a little jaded, but I remember hanging out with them because I was homies with them, and we jammed, and he said he played Halo. And I was like, this dude doesn't play any games at all. And we talked a bunch of shit. And I was like, I will destroy you. And we talked shit on each other for a while. And him and his <laughs> older brother. And they were so goddamn good at Halo. I could not believe Hell someone yeah. who wasn't. Because I had played a lot of Halo and other shooters. Um, but that's all they had ever played. And they played it way more hours. It was just him and his brother right. and his friends. And they got way into it. And I just could not believe that these... These jocks were better than me at a video game. <laughs> I I think I was the same way the first time I played uh, Star Fox sixty four in a prof- in like at a at a tournament in, oh, in near me. The dog fighting like, was cool, yeah. Yeah, it's just like I'm so good at this game, I can beat anybody, blah blah blah. And then I like go to this tournament for the first time when I'm like sixteen or seventeen and uh just got my ass whooped. Like I'm just like, how do you like they were doing all these different tr- tricks, like frame perfect shots and stuff, and I'm just like, oh my god, dude! Like, there's there's uh there's levels to this shit to every game. There's levels, and the people yeah. who go all the way in, yeah, there's levels to it. I wonder how this com- does Halo have a competitive like esports thing still going uh, on? I don't think so. Not Halo. Um, I mean, not to not 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 anything that's like as big as Overwatch or, yeah. or Dota Two or something, you know. Like, uh, let me let me look though. Halo esports. 
the rise and fall of Halo esports is the first video that pops <laughs> Yeah, up. I popped it up too. Yeah. So I guess not. I guess not. Um, now, at some point, you went back and you played some PS1 games or got into some retro PS1. Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, I, I had to go back and play Final Fantasy VII. So. Okay, let's, let's talk, cause that's an interesting take. Um, everyone has brought up Seven as either the second uh, PS1 Final Fantasy or the first one, usually the first JRPG. There's only been one guest that played JRPGs before Seven, And most people I talk to, Seven's like, especially our age, their introduction. It's the... Right. It's, it's the GOAT in the sense of, maybe not the best, but I made this analogy another podcast like nirvana nirvana is not my favorite grunge band i like uh, some other nah. grunge bands quite a bit more <laughs> like quite yeah. a bit more but nirvana is sort of for the most people their introduction to grunge obviously there was stuff before but that was when like the halo and i think final fantasy 7 was the same way with jrpgs it it took a smaller niche and made it a more still wasn't as mainstream maybe as it is now but a lot of people played seven, and I'm interested. You had heard about it; it was probably legendary by the time you went back and played it. You'd already played PS2, Final right. Fantasies. How did it hold up, and what was your impression of it when you played? It? Uh, at first, I was like, "The fuck are these graphics?" Like, I just, <laughs> you know, I just like, you know, it's it's fine, but like, um, all the new mechanics that they introduced in seven. I already played them in 10. So I wasn't like blown away at riding a chocobo in 3d or yeah. when it breaks or the open-ended materia system. You know, I was just like configuring the, your party, you know, so, so they, so with the materia and stuff, how they do it in that one, it's like, Oh, well I actually like the sphere grid better than the materia system in here in, in final high seven. Um, but the story was the story was good. It was fine, and um, it, the fact that it that it was not like a medieval or yeah, that makes sense. You know, I really liked that it was a futuristic science fiction, but still m- mirrored in the same world. Um, I I do think it was I do think it was a little overrated, um, but I get it. It's one of those games that was like at the time it would have blown me away too you know like yeah. if i if i'd played it for the first time and it was my first first one um i liked final fantasy 9 better than final fantasy 7 i liked 8 i actually probably liked 8 better and 9 i'm about the same most people yeah um 9 is a big one people have brought up everyone sort of either likes it it's solid or it's their favorite it's never yeah, nine, no one hates it n- no, I don't know how you could hate nine unless you just hate JRPGs, <laughs> <laughs> which um, may be possible. Yeah, it, I liked the medieval fighting. I liked the you know the medieval setting, um, and and it was from there that I was like, oh, I should check out the other ones. You know, the original. I think I played Final Fantasy three on the DS after that. Um, but yeah, man, I. Yeah, nine was good. I liked the characters a, the most. Um, Zindane, I think, was his Zane, name. Um, yeah, yeah. I like probably my probably my favorite character. What was the, and the black mage's name? Um, Vivi. V, was it? V, yeah, Vivi. Yeah, you're Vivi. right. Yeah. Um, Vivi, Vivi was awesome. Uh, I like. I liked how there was more interaction between characters in that in Final Fantasy Nine than 
there was in Final Fantasy VII. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but Final Fantasy VII was very like there is only one thing you can do at a time. Like there uh, wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. You know, with Final Fantasy IX, there were a couple different. You know, places you could go to, you could veer off in a different direction. You could take a different take a different story here or there. At the end of the day, um, you, you know, you're just trying to get all the blue magic. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people. I actually didn't like the cook guy, the blue magic character. I loved, I loved him. <laughs> yeah, you, you like. I mean, I like the more kind of kitty slapsticky stuff. Sometimes, if I'm in the mood when I'm older. But when I played yeah. it as a kid, I liked eight because it felt the most realistic, or the proportions of the characters seemed the most. Did you play eight at, at this? Uh, time? I I I didn't. I have it on. I have it on. Um, I, I bought it for during a sale. I have it on Steam, but I have not gone around to playing it yet. Uh, okay, and then you went back and you played some of. You played the DS remake. I played the DS remake for three, yeah, which was fun. Which is a really fun, fun one, and the and the remake is beautiful. It's how did you gorgeous. feel? Because three is kind of the the previous seven, the most popular in the in the previous era, so right? Yeah, yeah, and I I loved it. It was a lot of fun. I it was it was the shortest Final Fantasy game I've ever I've played to date. I think I beat it in like. It was less than forty hours. It had to be. I, at least it felt that way. It you felt short. I wanted more. American now. three or the Japanese three? Uh, it was the DS version, so probably the the American version of three. The one with uh, Kefka. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You really beat it that quick? I remember. Well, I was probably younger. It probably took me longer to get. I didn't know the JRPG formula like I do now. Yeah, right. That's the thing. It's like, okay, well, I, you're, you're not spending a lot of... When you get older and you you figure out how JRPGs work, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're not running around exploring needless places. Yes. <laughs> because you know it's going to take 40 hours, 50 hours to yep. get to the final boss. <laughs> yep. Did you uh, go back and play anything else on PS1 that uh, J- JRPG or not that uh, J- stood out to you? JRPG-wise, let me think. Um... Well, I, I mean, that, that was my first introduction to Resident Evil, which I actually, to be to be honest, hated at first. Really? Um, on PS1? I hated, on PS1, yeah. Um, the, the I just hated the, the controls, controls mechanic. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it just felt super clunky and slow to me, and I didn't like that. Um, but I didn't really... I really... I don't know. I played... Like I said, man, like I was doing a lot of, I was doing more PC. I've always just done PC games for a long time. Did you play uh, the other big hitter people talk about is Metal Gear Solid? Did you ever play those? Never really played Metal Gear games. What? (laughs) Wow. I don't know, man. I'm just not really into driving games. Metal Gear is not a driving game. You think Metal Gear Solid? Oh, no. I was thinking, why was I thinking of, uh, I was thinking of uh, no. I played the Metal, I played Metal Gear games. Uh, no, I was thinking, thinking of Gran uh, Turismo, maybe PS One. No, I'm thinking of Twisted Metal for oh, whatever reason. Twisted I don't know Metal. why Twisted Metal popped into my head when you said Metal Gear. That was a, I've talked about that with a few people. That's a good one on PS One. I played a lot of that. It was, but you didn't like it apparently. 
eh, not really. I, like, I don't really, like, yeah, I don't really like driving games. But yeah, no, Metal Gear Solid was great. Um, again, like I played that one later. Um, the, the one I liked the most was I think it was a PS. I think it was PS3 game. I can't. Metal Gear Four. I think it was four. Yeah, Guns of the Patriot. Yeah, yeah, that one was great. That was that was a that was a pretty cool game. That kind of wrapped up the Solid Snake saga. You fight, right? You have the fist fight at the top of like a, a robot at the very end, which is also a callback to Metal Gear Solid One. We have a fist right. fight, but yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, but yeah, I did play. Um, I did play Metal Gear. Um, Metal Gear Two on PS Two was another favorite. Uh, Snake Eater was really cool. I think that I think Snake Eater was on PS2. Metal Gear Solid yes. Three was on PS2. Yes, right? PS2. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did like the whole. I did like that story arc. Um, I didn't play through it more than I never really played through any of those games more than once. I never felt the need to. I'd, but yeah, they were fun. Around the same time, though, like the Splinter Cell games were coming out, and I was like oh, yeah. really into those, man. That's... Like the first Splinter Cell games were so good. <laughs> Dude, the very first Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell, and Splinter Cell Two, which I think was called Chaos Theory. Chaos Theory. Chaos Theory is still to, to this probably day probably my favorite spy spy game, like the spy assassin game, man. Like the change in tone from the first one to the second one is just crazy <laughs> i don't know if you remember but <laughs> i don't know uh, tone i mean i remember it being more like adult and i had like a man, it's pretty big i thought the story like i said i like political intrigue stuff yeah which uh i thought uh chaos theory did a lot better the the lighting in that game it was the first time i had seen yeah lighting that was so realistic there's a part in i believe the first game where you walk through like a sewer and there's a fan spinning and um, I just remember, like, sitting and staying in that room over and over and just, like, walking back and forth thinking, how does the light look so real? I didn't, right. I didn't know this was possible. They started getting lighting and shading down with, I think, I think the, the Chaos Theory was the one. Like, the first t- Splinter Cell was way more about the story in introducing Sam Fisher. Um it still had a lot of a lot of this political stuff, like you said, and it had a lot. It had a lot of the the sneaky. I, I, one of my favorite things is like you know you can you can play these games however you want. You can either go in guns blazing or yep. you can you know sit back do the, do the stealthy co op thing, and that's what I liked. I I do like a lot of stealthy type games, but. Yeah, Splinter Cell takes the cake. Takes the cake. Did you ever play uh, <laughs> Spies versus Mercs on the multiplayer? Uh-uh. No, uh, that was. Really oh wait, cool. no, that was. Uh, well, that one was later, right? Uh, Double Agent was, or, or or was it, it was uh, Conviction came out with that? No, I think Chaos Theory Theory multiplayer. I think that was. I could be wrong. Chaos Theory X. Yeah, Spies versus Mercs. Chaos Theory. I never played the. I never played that. It was really cool because you had, like, the mercs played, like, traditional FPS, like, assault rifle run around. And then the other yeah. guys had to, could crawl and play, like, third-person crawl-through vents. But 
you didn't have powerful guns and you had to like lay traps. It was one of the first first games that has sort of asymmetrical multiplayer, which I brought up in a, a bunch of episodes too. Like Halo, I guess Halo three or four had like a zombie mode where someone would play a zombie and infect other people. Um, there was that some- started um, that started in custom servers on Halo two. I didn't know that. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I heard about that. I don't even remember where I read it. I think a friend introduced me to it, and I had I had just moved to Utah and got. This is back in like 2004, I, 2005, I think. Just moved to Utah. Just got a 360 or an Xbox. Just got Halo Two. Like we were, we, I was hitting the ground running. All my friends got Xbox Live, et cetera, et cetera. And then we found this game mode called called Green versus Green versus Blue or something like that, and it was a play on it was a play on uh, Red versus Blue, the game that or the show that was, the show, that was yeah. getting popular at the time. And basically, it was whenever a whenever a person that so everyone has everyone has pistols, and there's one zombie that has a sword, um, and when and that I think that was basically the the, the entirety of the game was whenever yes. someone was hit, yep. whenever someone was killed by the sword, which you would only really ever get like one one hit before a bunch of people shot you. Um, so you have to be like sneaky and then run up and hit someone and then everyone would shoot you. But if you at least got one or two people infected in that time frame, then that person had to switch to the green team and then they were zombies and then the last person standing won. So um yeah, it was, it was pretty fun, man. I, I like a lot of those old games that were born out, like games that were born out of games. You know what yes. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, like I think, uh, was it Dota that was born Dota out of Star, born a StarCraft out of 2 mod? Or a StarCraft it, mod, I mean? I think it was Warcraft. Or, or Warcraft, I mean? Yeah, Warcraft yeah. mod. Warcraft 3, pretty sure, was. Yeah, Dota. it was 3, yeah. Yeah. I know you played Smite for a while. You got into some MOBAs. From you there. got me into Smite. I got you into Smite, yes. <laughs> and then you got way more into it than I, I did. I got way into Smite. Yeah, dude. Um, I love that game. I still play it with uh, one of my buddies constantly. Like We play one or two games a week, probably. But, yeah, that game, when you showed it to me, you were just like, look at these boobies jiggling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you get to play as these gods that just running around and kill each other. It's really fun. How how is the game updates and new characters and gods been? Oh god. I mean there's so many gods now. I think they're up to like hundred and twenty. I think cow. Maybe. Maybe a hundred a hundred between a hundred. It's over a hundred. I know that. Um It's good. They did a much needed graphics gooey blow like I think the graphic patch that you could, like, you can still run it um, on older machines and stuff because it was made in like I think it's launched in 2012. Yeah, it's pretty um, old framework. Yeah, so it's an old framework. They did a huge graphical update to it, and it looks it looks really good. It still has that kind of like cartoony look to it. Yeah, but um, yeah, it looks really good. Plays good, but it's one of those things where like. With any MOBA, it gets too big for its own britches. There's too many characters, and um, when 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 you, <laughs> there's always going to be those people that like 
quickly learn how to break the game. You know, yeah. like a new a new god comes out and just so happens that if you buy a certain, you know, particular types of new items that came out with this patch as well on this god, you're just broken. Like <laughs> kill everyone. There's there's a there's a there's a god right now where if, What's his name? The god's if, name? Uh Nike. Like this Smite Wow, Nike. Yeah, Nike is a, I think, a Greek god. Oh, uh, I Nike's... forgot. Smite does have, like, ridiculous boob shit going on. Yeah. I thought you were yeah. making, I was like, I didn't quite get that. I sort of, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the artwork is ridiculous. The artwork is, is absolutely, like, and same, the same for the dudes. And, like, huge, huge muscular, muscular bodies that are just, like, totally out of proportion. It's, it's funny. It, but it's like, Whatever, they're gods and goddesses. Yeah, man. like who cares? That's a fair point. Yeah, they're not supposed to be realistic. Yeah, they're not supposed to be realistic. Um, yeah, man. Um, yeah, the, Nike has this crazy ultimate, but and if she gets, if she uses this new item that comes out right now, she can basically, she can basically get like six hundred extra health as she slams down, finishing her ult. And then once her shield goes away, her ult comes back up because of another item. So she can just ult, get shields, ult, get shields, ult, get shields, and just, <laughs> it's that would break. If you don't know how MOBAs are played, I guess that would make sense. But that would just, that just breaks the game completely. It breaks the game, yeah, and it's not fun. It's, it's, it's to the point now where, like, even people in within the game are like, if you pick Nike and you pick these characters, like, we're just going to, we're just going to F6, which is... uh quit uh surrender so <laughs> we're just gonna surrender because it's not fun There's you're not no making point. the game fun for your team you're not making the game fun for the other people like the community the community is uh it's like 50 50 like you'll it's better to play with friends like with any moba you know so yeah. it's just set of random um, people yeah, the random don't I I don't I don't play games with random people anymore. <laughs> Not online. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've moved past that in my adulthood. Yeah. I'm bad. I don't need some twelve year old telling me about my mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I'm fine. Is there uh so is there any other game, whether it's early childhood or something that sticks out, like if you could pick one sort of magical or favorite memory, what would it be? Man. Uh, definitely Borderlands 2. Ah, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Did you, uh, play co-op with someone? Is that why? Yeah, I played yes. co-op. It was the first game that me and Shelby, my wife, played together. Ooh, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. So you guys, was it, can you land co-op on that, or did you just have two computers in the house or something? Uh, both. You can, there's split screen. We played on her 360 for our first playthrough. Um, and then you can... I don't think we ever really played much together. Um, now I don't think we played together at all on PC. Um, but, but yeah, we could just, we would just play together on, uh, on, um, so she, she had been in love with the game. I, I had, I had played a little bit of Borderlands, the first one, but I didn't like it. I was just like, eh, I get the mechanic. I get why people would like this, but I don't have any, I don't have any friends to play with this right now. Like, and I think at that time I was like in and I was in and out of deployments and stuff. So, um, which I, I used to be in the, in the army for anyone who didn't know. So 
I didn't have time to really like invest in a game like that. Um, and it was just really like, it, I don't know, it felt clunky on a PlayStation. I didn't, I've never really cared about playing first person shooters on consoles. Um, I'd rather, much rather have mouse and keyboard, yeah. but, but Borderlands 2 felt really smooth. Like it was a really smooth first person shooter on console. Um, and I played as zero my first playthrough. Yes. And so yeah, so I was sniping and she was, she played as Maya or Maya, the, the, the siren. siren. Yeah. Yeah. And she was all, she loved, she loved the, the SMG builds with all the different elements and stuff. And, uh, I would just snipe from, snipe from the back. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to, fun to play together for our first, our first game. Um, love the story, love the humor, love the artwork, art style. Uh, there was a DLC called Tiny Tina's oh, Dungeon. Dr- yeah. A Sultan, a, a Sultan, Sultan Dragon Keep is what yes. it was called, I think. Um, which was basically just a Dungeons and Dragons mod for Borderlands 2. It was, it was, it was, it was so much fun. Um, I had, uh, yeah, I had a similar sort of, it's one of my all time favorite memories. Uh, similar thing because I played it with my brother who I didn't really get super close to my, my family. I had like a bunch of divorces growing up. My parents were both divorced prior, so all my siblings are half, technically. And um, I didn't really make friends with them. We had visitation. But when I got in college, I started, like, connecting with my... I have one brother that's pretty close to me. He's three years older. And uh, we, like, weren't really brothers until later. And one of the things that we bonded over is on my birthday, my wife let me... um, I asked her, like, I just want to play Borderlands with my brother. And so for the whole weekend, she didn't... She's like, I won't give you any shit. I won't like ask you to do anything. I'm not gonna like want any time from you. You can mm-hmm. and I borrowed a 360 from a friend. I didn't own 360, and I bought Borderlands 2 and mm-hmm. a, and the Xbox Live subscription. It was like a kind of an expensive endeavor, and I went through the whole yeah. game over like four days with my brother and just laughing at all the jokes. Handsome Jack, claptrap. It's just like yeah. the whole game. He's cracking one-liners, and when you're with somebody, there's like an energy. When you hear someone else laugh, it makes things funnier. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, It's just, and I, I kind of, one of the, it's sort of like you, first game with your wife, it's really the first time I played a game with my brother. It's a really similar parallel there. It's, as a result, it's one of my favorite ma- games and memories. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, they, uh, Tiny Teenier is probably my favorite character. So that, that whole, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but they put out a a DLC when they announced Borderlands Three. Yes, I like like an hour into it, I haven't beat it. It's hard. Okay, it it, it is. <laughs> um, the uh, the have you played the have you played Tiny Tina's? I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't played her side mission yet, side quest. Is it a DLC? It's in the DLC. Yeah. I probably have. I uh, I did. I did everything in the. F- well, maybe I did. What's it called? Tiny, tiny. 
Oh no no I'm sorry I'm talking about the new the new DLC. Oh no I have not beaten the new DLC. But okay, I prob- okay. to be honest with you I probably won't. I just Okay. <laughs> go ahead. You can go ahead and just hit me with it. Uh no there was a moment where you're doing a quest to get into this to get into this uh vault and it's not a vault vault but it's just like a tucked away area um where the fabled butt stallion is supposed to be. And <laughs> the butt and- stallion yeah, the butt stallion. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> That's all I'll say, I guess. Um, I don't want to read it for anyone who hasn't played it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's, uh, that was fun. And then, and then she kind of goes into this, like when you're doing one of the main missions and she's helping you, she goes into this little bit of like, you can tell that like she acts with it. She acts, she says she acts that way because she's sad all the time. And like, I'm like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> To hear to hear that come out of her, it was just like, dang. Like they're acknowledging that Tiny Tina probably has depression because she's grown up alone. She doesn't have any parents. Like it's yeah. just it was really like this sombering moment where it's just like, oh man, one of the they really like they really did a good job hitting me in the feels on this game that's like ten years old. <laughs> uh that's a good question. What game what game has hit you in the feels the most? Oh no. Um there's one game that made me legit. There's only been one game that's made me legit cry cry. And I I'm, oh, I'm There's there's been a f- there's been a few games that have made me legitimately cry. Um I think Did you ever play did you ever play Lost Odyssey? I did not. That's a that's a JRPG that I kind of got out of JRPGs after PS2. I fizzled out during PS2 and then from then on. But that's yeah. one that's always kind of like, maybe I should try that. Like a more modern one that people give really glowing reviews. Is it the concept you're immortal? Like you're a god or something? Um, and you can't die? Kind of. It's it's com- It's a completely different... It's not related to that at all. It's just a moment when... A really touching moment when you go on this this mission collecting something for this kid's mom and then the mom dies and the way that the mom dies is oh. just it's just really sad <laughs> um so death think, of mothers will get you yeah oh for sure um gears of war 2 got me believe it or not <laughs> what about gears? yeah that uh when dom was reunited up. with his uh. with his wife yeah <laughs> Um, that one, I was like, you know, it's just like, you're sitting there and you're just like, this is Gears of War. Why am I crying right now? <laughs> right now. But, uh, you know, everyone says Final Fantasy VII when Aerith dies and I'm like, yeah, it was sad and I can see how it was done well, but I didn't, I didn't cry. <laughs> um, but I'm sh- like, again, like I'm sure if I had played that when it came out, I probably would have, um. I'm, I'm trying to think. I definitely, I definitely cried a little bit in Shadow of Colossus. Um, Interesting. I like when Argo, when Argo comes back. Yeah. um, Yeah. And one, and Wander is, uh, has, I don't know if I don't. You can't really say Wander died. Wander was 
it's implied maybe he died or yeah i don't know just the way that they did it and like there's no words there's it's just that whole sh- that whole move that whole sequence is just music and emotion like <laughs> yes yeah that's why i mean i think that's why it gets to me it's like some of these moments are just so are they're just music man like and they're just the best the best uh these these huge sweeping movies uh, movie scores in music these days in in games these days is just crazy um yeah there's a, the 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 what's it, Shadow of Colossus I think it was one it's definitely prior to Dark Souls at least in my exposure of a game that told a story with no words no words no None. words other than like I guess the voice talks to you from the ceiling with yeah, the god but... or whatever um but it's just you infer everything from that there's a whole fleshed out world and lore and a story it's all there but you have right. to pay attention and infer it and that felt yeah, it made it more emotional when uh, that same moment. I don't know if I cried, but I remember feeling emotional. And I also remember feeling emotional when you realized partway through, I don't remember when it was, when you realized what Wander was doing. He's basically sacrificing himself. And these animals don't really need to be killed either. It's almost, you could argue, unethical, but he loves whatever the girl is. And I read some article that the lore goes so much deeper than I ever figured out, and it connects yeah. to Ico, Ico, and um, it's in the same world. And, yeah. Ico is in the same world, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cried, I definitely cried Last of Us at the very beginning, I, the intro. Yep, yep. That one got that me. That one got me too. Did you have a do- did you have your kid by, when you, yeah, you had a kid by then. So yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. That was definitely the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the first time I played, I didn't cry, but I replayed the remastered version on PS4, which is runs. The game holds up super well, um, runs at sixty frames a second, like super solid remastered. And then I had a kid at that point, and I replayed that intro. And spoiler alert: when your daughter gets mowed down, it's just. Oh, I don't know. It's Something, brutal. It's so brutal. It's such a hard way to. I start didn't a game. expect it. It was just yeah. like it's just like oh man, that's that's an opening to a game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I now and then then the the, the the title screen whatever, and you realize it's the opening to the game. It really sets the tone. Oh, I'm playing something different. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is something different. I never played before. This is heavy. That one got me. And uh, did you play the new God of War? I, I haven't had a chance to. I want to. Everyone says, everyone says, Rob, you're going to cry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, this if this may, this opinion might change over time. Overall, I have, like, JRPGs of their own category that I kind of put, because that's, like, my glory days was a, as a child. Uh, yeah. Really nostalgic. But as far as video games as a whole in general, definitely as far as a single-player game, it might be my favorite game of all time. Hmm. It's, and I don't want to like, talk it up too much, but I'm pretty sure it will live up. It will live up, and you will cry. You will definitely cry. Dang, it's good. And the combat, like, I don't know. Do you you play? I guess you like action RPG. I mean, it's an action RPG, yeah. so okay. you should like it. You should definitely try it. Um, I, I know you liked The Witcher Three a Woo! lot. Woo! 
Yes. Uh, when you had to bury the Baron's child. Oh, yes. Uh, that one got me. I was just like, because it was gruesome, but it was also extremely sad. And the voice acting was incredibly well done, and the graphics were well done. It was just... That's widely was, considered the best quest in the game by most people. Oh, oh, for sure. It everyone, everyone here, every, everyone that's listening to this, if you haven't played The Witcher Three, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you, you, you are missing out on life. I agree. It's that might be my second, as far as just in general single player experiences. Yeah. Probably. Uh, did you play Blood and Wine DLC? Mm, uh, no, I haven't. It's not. It's not on. I, I haven't got any of the DLCs. Um, it's not as good as the Baron's Quest, but the writing of that campaign and the side quest is a level above the main game on average. Really? Okay. It's All really, right. Well, really I'll, I'll have to pick it up in the next Steam sale then. And it's actually it was ran. So when you play it, you actually get loaded to a different area because it's built on a updated version of the engine. Oh, and so it even looks better and runs a little bit better, and uh, it's it's definitely like the pinnacle of The Witcher Three because all the patches and all the quality of life improvements and the bug fixes, and then on a new, updated, better, like more efficient version of the engine, they call it like Witcher One Point Five engine. I think when I read about it, and it's it's the most solid, polished p- part of the game, and it's a DLC. That by itself is like yeah. 25 hours, I think it took me. Wow. It's a solid DLC. Yeah, I'll have to pick it up then. Yeah, you definitely should pick it up. Um, let, me, let, me, let me think. What else? Um, Mass Effect 3, when <gasps> Morden dies. Yes. That one definitely... He was probably like one of my favorite characters in, in, in Mass Effect 2 and 3, so... When he when he died, I was not. I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> he, I liked, uh, yeah, his uh, character. Well, I don't know if he's not the same one in Mass Effect One and Two. He's the same species. The guys. Uh, that, that they yeah, Morden wasn't in one, but Morden was introduced in two, yes. and he can't die in two. I don't think. Um, but um, and you can choose to you you can save him in three, but. It, I I didn't I wasn't able to let it play out that way. So <laughs> three had a, you, three was one of those games that was also Rock well, Stone three Mass Effect the the series in general was a, one of the first series that made me like have hard choices. Most games like Fable had come out. It's like you have good and dark, and it's pretty cookie cutter. And Mass yeah. Effect would put you in these situations like. Should you re- reverse the genophage on the the Krogans, right? right. Who have been historically like basically Nazis, like were Mongol, like equivalent of Mongols. I just killed everybody, murdered everybody, aggressive, violent species. But as but then the flip side is another species. This is for people who don't know. Like make it so they can't have children, and now their species is dying. Yeah, that one. That one was like, I don't like either of these choices. <laughs> yes, it's like I, I don't like either of them. What should I? Do you remember what you chose? Uh, I chose to. I chose to cure, to cure the, to cure them in three. But I don't think it really had any la- lasting effects because no, it all funneled to yeah. Yeah. 
for those who don't know, Mass Effect 3 ending was like a whole debacle, which they did patched and created a new DLC or new ending, right? I never. It was new ending, yeah. I never went back and did you go back? I, I did because I'd probably say that, that Mass Effect, the Mass Effect series, one of my favorites. Um, so I went back, I played through them. Um, I got all three different endings and they're, they're, they do a good job. They do a good job. I wish they would have just waited. I wish they would have just waited and done it right the first time. Yes. Yeah. What about Mass Effect uh, stuck out to you? And what would you say is the reason why you like it so much? Oh, just being able to play the same character for three different games, and and your choices, your yeah, choices yeah. do matter in that game. You, could, yeah. I, I think I've I've probably put over three or four hundred hours, like easy, into the into the franchise itself. Um, yeah. Just because, and and just because, I'll go back and I'll play completely differently. You know, the second time through and, and it also, it does matter if you play as a male or a female, that opens up different romantic, uh, options for you. Um, who you kill in one during key moments is represented in three, which is really cool. Like it goes that far into the future. Um, man, it's just Andromeda was such a letdown though, but that's, yeah, uh, I, it was a letdown, but. Worst story, like the and worst world and worst writing and worst everything but combat was the worst. In oh, the opinion. combat! The combat, combat was, was great. Yes, yeah, the combat was great. The the new the new, uh, especially the uh, I, I especially also loved just flying around to different uh, planets and exploring them and like learning about them and and uh, the way. Th- the way that you interacted with, I, I feel like they probably had a lot more in mind for DLCs and stuff that they just didn't have the money yeah. <laughs> now to make. Um, because that, that whole universe is just unexplored and it's so expansive now. Um, they've been, they've been talking about doing another one, but it's not going to come out for forever for a long time. <laughs> and I don't know about because, like Bioware's track record. is Something about the relationship with EA and what's it's going on. It's not working. It's, it's what it is. I'm not yeah. sure why EA uh, Bioware doesn't cut it with EA, but they've got to have some kind of like long-standing contract. Yeah. Because did you play Anthem? I didn't play it, but it. Didn't uh, sound like I it so well. I played it through th- th- through a friend's account. Uh, because he was just like, don't buy it, just log into my account and play it if you want to try it out. But yeah, I'm glad I didn't waste ninety dollars on that. <laughs> so as bad as everyone says. So it's just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. Like it, it actually is pretty fun to play, but there isn't much to it. There's not much to the game. Um, once once you get to a certain level. Like you beat the game within like eight hours. Like the story yeah. is so short. Um, but then you start doing, you know, your grinding and stuff like that. So, um, but the grinding isn't fun. It's just not, it's not fun because you do all this hard work and you get all these rewards, but it just, it's just like dumb reskins that, you know, you're not grinding for better loot. You're not playing against other things. The player base went down so much, so, so fast. After it was released, that 
you were playing against the same, you know, pool of like a thousand people on your, in your server area. So like, you're going to get paired up with the same people over the course of just playing it for a week, you know? And, and if that one, if one other person has like the gun that you, if you paid extra for, you got, you know, like all these better guns and stuff at launch, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, I don't know if you remember when, um, battlefront came out, you could buy, you could literally buy, Upgrades, and you could buy Han Solo's blaster. And yes, I remember that being. A, they like backtracked <laughs> just, hard on that shit. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. whoops! We're not yeah. trying to make money. It was an accident. Did you see recently? Uh, the Doom port on Switch requires you to have a Bethesda account to play. Yeah, dude. All the <laughs> dude, all the memes that are coming the out of that memes. are hilarious. Oh my gosh, I was. I gotta look it up. Uh, Dooms. There's a Banjo Kazooie one that cracking me. I I can't stop watching it. I'll find it for you. There was a uh, the Symphony of the Night one made me laugh because that's oh one that of my one favorite that, that one's that one's really funny all the time. Yeah, there was and like I saw this article on Kotaku and it was like every famous game you could think of there was a meme and they were all all so that Ninja there's a one that's from the Ninja Gaiden on NES like a cutscene. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who uh, don't understand, like, there's a thing in gaming where it's, it's, people who, you know, if you game, you're probably listening to this, when something requires you to sign up, I hated that with Ubisoft when I used to buy games on Steam, Ubisoft games, and I'd have to launch the Ubisoft launcher. I'm like, oh my, you'd have to launch so the I Ubisoft launcher. It. I don't fucking care about... And the fact that they try to do that on a Switch game, which the whole point of Switch is like, convenient portability instant on and off yeah it's just so dumb i don't know what they were thinking the same thing why was battlefront thinking we could pay to and have han solo's blaster and and ah. sometimes i wonder like who's green lighting some of the decisions that are made in the gaming industry like who's who's right give me their job i'm sure they're making a lot of money and i can do a better job yeah exactly uh here i'll send it i'll send it to your facebook Okay. It's a video. Like it's it's so funny. Is it the Conquer one? Bad for a day? (laughs) (laughs) How did they do this? Like how did they it oh, looks, it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> how how do I get the text to look just like the game's text? Uh, I don't know. I think it's Comic Sans, dude. Look at it. Man, meme culture is so weird. It's like intertwined with game culture these days. It's intertwined with almost almost any niche, right? Because yeah. the, the niches I'm involved in like or or hobbies I'm involved in more than just like, casually gaming drumming grappling like martial arts and marketing those four have their own meme ecosystem and I'm assuming basically anything any sport <coughs> excuse me <coughs> music production I mean I guess producing music too has its own meme culture like what doesn't have a meme culture right 
Well, and what is the meme anyway? Like it's like a joke. It yeah. <laughs> what is do? <laughs> These are all so funny, dude. <laughs> I love the I love the uh, Half Life one. <laughs> a Bethesda.net account, yeah. Lock it. This is Steam. Like Which is funny because they have those. I think there's a, a there if you don't have to do it, but um, the new the new Doom game um, has a login feature if you want to like log yeah. in and get updates and stuff like. Well, that. they came out and said it was an accident. It was supposed to be optional, and it was right? Like, maybe, or maybe you just wanted to get some emails and didn't realize it was going to be this huge backlash. That right. that one could have been an accident, but like the Battlefront microtransaction shit was not an accident. The Anthem, like it's, I don't know, how is EA? Even in business, how are they still in business? I have no idea. Do you see the the gambling commissions yeah. gambling commission thing they were doing in like I think it was Sweden, um, and they were like, "It's oh, what was the phrase that she used?" Oh, because they were it was I think Belgium, Australia, and maybe like you're right, Sweden somewhere in like the Nordic countries. They're they're uh, trying to make loot boxes illegal. Yeah, they're trying to make loot boxes illegal. EA and, response to loot box. Yeah, there was some PR thing that was gross. I remember reading it. Surprise yeah. mechanics. Surprise mechanics. Surprise mechanics <laughs> are quite ethical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, I, I wouldn't, I honest, I wouldn't care if it didn't affect the game. It if it affects the gameplay, then stop it. Yeah. <laughs> What? Like I shouldn't have to pay. Like, that was the thing when when that was such a big problem with with Battlefield or Battlefront Two when it came out because they were like no 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 loot boxes and it's like okay but you did though like but you did <laughs> the way that you set this up it's just a different style of loot box. <laughs> And someone did the math on Reddit because, of course, they did. Because and, yeah. <laughs> and um, the to be able to get all of the unlockable items and characters, like to get characters, uh, you would have to have played like seven hundred hours or something if you didn't want to put in any money to the game, and it's just like. Okay, but I already paid like I think I paid like a hundred bucks for Borderlands or um, Battlefront Two. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was so excited for it, and and then when I got it, I was just so disappointed. It's like I pay, I I paid extra money, and like people are just coming in that paid more money than me <laughs> and winning because and winning because not because they're because, better because they have better battle cards or whatever you know about the system that they use for their upgrading. And, uh, Wasn't yeah, it man. also like random? I, don't, I, I never played Battlefront Two, but I remember I remember reading something along the same lines of the Reddit thing, like how many hours it would take. And someone did a math based on percentage. It gave a range of if you were just to buy, spend like they said ten thousand dollars on cars, you still wouldn't like, have everything. What are the yeah. chances of getting every? You know what I mean? It was like really, really low. It was ridiculous yeah. because of the duplicate system that they have in place. Yeah, it was not, it's not good. Like now, it's a good game. It's a great game now. And 
it's sad because this is the star. It's honestly, this is the star Wars battlefront game that we always wanted, you know, like it's, no it's a really, it. but there's still, there's still a pretty robust team. And I think they did a thing a while back where they let out the base game for free. Uh, I think this was like, this is like almost two years ago now. Um, about a year after it came out and they realized that they screwed up and they're like, okay, well, we're changing the way that, you know, we make money with this game now because, you know, we already have a lot of money from this game. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, maybe that was their, do you, so I've, I've always had this thought, tell me your thought. Like you, I know with the pharmaceutical industry or I've heard, I shouldn't say I know my suspicion with the pharmaceutical industry or a lot of, um, anything medical or malpractice, like they, they bake in lawsuits they just know it's going to happen. We're going to push yeah. this drug out. We're going to make this much money. X amount of losses will happen. We're going to pay out. It doesn't matter. We paid out $200 million, but we made $5 billion or whatever ridiculous right. number it is. I'm wondering with some of these games like Anthem or EA. I don't know if Anthem has changed and gotten better. But with Battlefront 2, is it like, hey, we know we're going to put it out with these really shitty mechanics, cash grabs. And then ride the backlash. And when the backlash starts to like suck our numbers down, then we're going to patch it. And kind of make it what we were originally, but we're going to get this initial cash boost that we would have never gotten had we put played made the game less, I don't know, predatory or right. Or well, that's the thing. That's the thing. I, you're you're onto something with that. I I've always thought that as well. Just because that you don't, there's no, you can't buy it. You can't just buy a game now. You can't just buy the game and that's it. There's. Yeah. There's always going to be DLC that probably should have been included with the base game. There's always going to be unlockable characters that you could just pay for to get the the characters. You know, they get that give you an edge or whatever in, in the game. You know, uh, those those special editions that cost an extra thirty bucks that do what? They do what? They give nothing. you just a couple of extra guns in the game or something. You know, yeah. like it's nothing special. Um, yeah, so. I think that I do think you're onto something there. I think that there's a couple of I think the problem is is that there's a majority of gamers are getting to the point where they're they they've been fed up with it. Um and so and so now game companies are starting to like stop it um or at least try different types of mechanics. But man, I just like I miss the day of being able to just go buy Half-Life 2 at the store and then come home and install it on my computer and play it. They play like, it. There's nothing else. Yeah. Nothing else. You just got the game and now it's yours <laughs> to play. Uh, and that's another reason why pirating is, is so, it's like, it just, it, it really, there wasn't a lot of, like, pirating went down for a, for a little while um, of video games and now it's back up again. It's just, there's a lot of people that have already, mine Borderlands 3. It's already out there. Like, people are already playing Borderlands 3 because really? why not? Oh, yeah. They, I've seen it. Why? Uh, That's not I know true. it's been getting, I know it's been getting shut down pretty quickly because there's no net code. They don't have the net code yet. Um, but people have been, oh, let's see here. Let's see the story leaks. How, how are they getting it already? It's like just a leaked copy. It gets, Somehow online, I think there. I think it was maybe it was a demo. Maybe it was a demo copy that was put out. It was. There was a copy that was given to a streamer, um, and then a streamer gave 
like he like made made some kind of copy of it. I'm not sure how, but that but he was able to get it to his friends and they were able to install it. But it wasn't like the full game or anything like that. Um but yeah, the Borderlands Oh god, look at this. <laughs> Hmm. They're just playing Borderlands 2 and talking about Borderlands 3. <laughs> these stupid, these stupid game titles. Or video titles, I mean. It's all just clickbait. Surprise, surprise. Clicks make money. I think, yeah, I think you're, well, there's a couple things going on. I read an article, I believe, on Polygon recently, and it was talking about... In- about indie games and the indie game mar- market right now, which sort of segues into the greater thing of the, the video games themselves are getting more and more expensive to make. Mm-hmm. But the $60 price tag has sort of stayed. It hasn't adjusted for inflation. And that's why you're seeing these predatory loot box mechanics and p- paid DLCs and pay to win because you have, you have other companies that are doing more of a games as a service Destiny and the, like in the online RPG, like that's making a lot of a ton of ton of money. Or like Fortnite is a different model, free, yeah. but they're making just they're just making money hands over fist. And the the point is the reason why one of the reasons why we're not getting that I go and pay sixty dollars and get the full game is because games cost hundred. They said some ridiculous number like three four hundred percent more money to to create a triple A game. But we're still playing this. We're still paying sixty bucks, which doesn't even come close. It's really hard to right. make money. That might be part of it, and part part of it. I think that's a big part of it. And a part of it is like, well, if, if we got to make money, some people like you, like let's just go. Like we're we're open to the most predatory, manipulative gambling mechanics. Like we're gonna we're go there. Let's see what happens. It's the same we'll get away thing with. with in my in my in my mind it's the same thing as music right like any game that's put out it can be hacked it can be modded it can it can be if you get the your hands on the on the source or if you even just get your hands on like your steam profile or something you know like you're able to to do something with that data um it's the same way with music like your your music is just going to get out there at some point and people if you're popular enough that is um i remember the first time that i actually felt like oh wow people actually care enough i felt like i found a uh i found a uh robo rob discography on uh i think it was pirate bay or but like there's no one torrenting it, but <laughs> like, oh, like, like like it was cool. It was like oh, I found someone found someone likes my music enough to steal it all and put it on put it up on uh, to torrent it. That's that's cool, I guess. But uh, but that's just to go to show it's that like even yeah. yeah, even like the little guys, man. Like I at the at the time I was like. I was ha- I had like maybe three thousand plays a, m- a month or something. You know, like it was just not like not that many people were listening. But there's still that person out there that'll do it just because they can. Yeah. So, um, I I do like the f- the free, but make money elsewhere. I like as much as I don't really care about uh, Fortnite, but. I think it's cool that what they with that how I think they have a cool model. Yeah. Like, um, 
it costs you nothing to try it. And if you don't like it, then don't play it. Uh, if you do like it, then, you know, and you want this new skin or something, if you want this new gun skin or if you want this new hat or whatever, I think hats is the, like hats was a Team Fortress 2 thing, right? Like, is it all know. Fortnite's all cosmetic? Doesn't affect gameplay, right? Nothing affects gameplay. And that's yeah. and that's the reason why they will keep making money <laughs> is is because there's never going to be a moment where epic goes oh okay um well if you buy this upgrade or buy this gun or buy this you know new loot box you will get an advantage in the game like they know that that's going to kill their game so on the flip side of that i would gladly pay 80 dollars for a new title for a new triple a game like 80 or 90 dollars because i would rather do that than pay than than pay 60 and then have to pay and pay for a season pass for yeah. dlc you know like just keep give it simple me one payment and just one payment give me the game you know if there needs to be updates to it then then update it <laughs> um if you want to give me a dlc then give me an actual dlc you know don't give me something that's like should have been in in the main game in the first place which is a lot of games these days which to go back to a company that doesn't do this CD Project Red, Witcher Three, CD Project Red, yeah, Blood and Wine DLC is it's a like I said it's twenty five thirty it's a whole game, it's like a it's like like I said one point five sequel it's not quite a sequel, but it is in a way like the engines updated all new quests all new region yeah. all new characters all new gear, um, are you stoked for Cyberpunk? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't wait for it, and I know it's probably not going to leave completely up to my expectations. Obviously, it, what do you mean? <laughs> what are your expectations? Uh, I guess my expectations are with a game of this scope and this and this size, this project. Like, I want to be able to do anything. I want to be able to break the game within the game, like within the game's you know rules and stuff. Yeah. But like. If you're if you want to just like get really really good at hacking, I want to be able to get really good at hacking and just be able to hack anything. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to happen because they have they have to have certain rules in place so the game doesn't break. Because yeah. there are going to be those just always like you said, you would go and like in Final Fantasy twelve, you would just like find those spots that broke the game to get to level ninety nine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's going to be people that are trying to do that. This seems like a very story-driven RPG, right? Like, I I hope that you're able to just completely ignore the main story if you wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, just do, just explore the world and not have to, not have to be on any kind of like, not have to worry about. I don't know. That, of course, I'm going to play the main story, obviously. But but you want I the freedom think, to not do that for a while and have something else to do, right? And and like the way that they're building this up and the, like the type of open environment, like I hope it's as open as they are promising it's going to be. That's it. I I've never played it. Like I still remember like Skyrim's open world, so big, beautiful, blah blah blah, and I'm like. Within within like two hours of exploring the game, I had come to a point where it said you cannot go any further. And I'm just like, 
okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's actually not open world, but I guess I'll go back to doing all these side quests, which I don't think I've actually beat all the side quests in Skyrim either, so. (laughs) Did you play Red Dead Redemption 2? Mm Mm-mm. Apparently that game's, like, the the world is, like, retardedly big. Like, obviously there's limits, but. Right. One of the bigger, bigger worlds. Um, I'm watching the, the, not this year's E3, but last year's E3 gameplay demo of Cyberpunk, which I've watched all the way through probably like six or seven times. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, I don't, you're right. It's not going to be you can do anything and everything, but I do think you'll be able to break the game with like the way you build your character. Because there's gonna anytime you have that many complex systems, especially in the beginning, even Borderlands. Do you remember Borderlands one or two had the cave, the loot cave? Oh yeah, people yeah. could figure out, and they then they patched it and fixed it later. Yeah, I think if you get Cyberpunk on launch, you'll probably be able to break, find a way to break the game in some place. Maybe it'll get patched later. Maybe it won't. Um, right. What's the point though? Like I've always felt like, what's the point of having? crazy systems if you can't create a build that makes you because in my mind that's the if you become so op overpowered that it breaks the game that's in a way a reward of figuring out your build and playing with all these right. stats so I feel the same yeah i feel yeah. the exact same way the uh i think the my favorite my favorite instance of that is in borderlands 2 where you if if you if you go new game plus and you build two separate trees and you have the just the right you know oranges all just the right rares yeah. um and on certain on certain characters uh you break the game like there's i remember there was a weapon on zero um where uh or not a weapon but it was like i think it was a shield called sting like a bee or something like that along those lines um, and then you paired it with this gun that only shot the first round every time, but then one of his skills was like bore, I think was what it was called. Yeah, that's where, familiar. Yeah, so like all of these things combined, you could basically get 100% crit shots every time, no matter what. <laughs> you know, and that's ridiculous, but eh, when you when you're new game plus and you're, you know, Stat, yeah, and you've been grinding for loot and just the right perfect gears and just the right perfect stats on the on the special loot because because some of those some of the loot would drop and it has like shitty secondary stats and it's like well I can't really use this yeah did you play Bloodstained recently Mm, yeah I played I played that uh, a bit it was a little shorter than I would have liked but oh yeah I I messaged you about this yeah I think oh yeah I think we did talk about that a little bit I I, I liked it I liked the style I liked that the developers listened during beta and 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 changed (laughs) the graphics there was still some really wonky like really wonky mechanics a couple times I remember like hitting um that flying pig or something like that. I can't remember. I know you're talking about pig yeah. or a fly. Yeah, and it would like it would like do this weird like 180 move where it would like flip back and forth on my screen like all wonky and shit. And like I wouldn't be able to hit it, and it would just be there, and it'd be stuck, and I couldn't <laughs> couldn't do anything with it. But uh, but yeah, like there there are a lot of weird ones that I I just didn't really care for like the way that that she jumps uh yeah uh, you know it just felt a little like 
like platformers shouldn't feel like like this slow. I feel like she was really slow a lot of the time during the game. She's was, really slow and clunky. Which when I, I Symphony of Night's one of my all time favorite. When I play it, it's similar. It's kind of a slower and heavier game, but it doesn't feel sluggish like Bloodstained. When I first started playing, it felt sluggish, and then I got used to it. Um, I didn't run into any of those same glitches as far as enemies, but I do think even though the graphic update, it's it feels like a PS2 game, or maybe a PS3 game. It really does. It feels later. like a PS. It feels like a PS3 game. To yeah. Me. Um, which you know is unacceptable for uh, for. To, for 2019, it really, unless that's a style you're going for, which I don't know why stylistically you would go for a PlayStation 3 era game. I don't think we're at that point yet. I, I love all the 8-bit stuff that's been coming out lately. Like, Oh, yeah. I wish... And well, why didn't Bloodstain... Like, I don't know enough about game development, but they, they made a lot of money. But why... They, I don't know what the difference between like why do this 3D style versus if people want another Symphony of the Night, why don't keep it more pixelated? Why don't you just do it that way? Yeah, just do go it pixel. that way. I, I mean, there's a game. Uh, I'll, I'll share if you saw my screen. Uh, just the, play. Uh, just play Messenger. Have you played the yes. Messenger? Messenger is awesome, and I love yeah. the uh, like time mechanic where the graphics change. Oh yeah, on, it's it's and it's it's great. Same with. Um, it's one that just came out recently uh, from Devolver, um, Katana Zero. Yes, uh, Katana yeah. Zero is my all-time favorite, probably indie indie game recently. The did you get Did you get true ending? Uh, I don't know what's what is the true ending. <laughs> Where you had to fight the eyeballs and shit. Did you get that? Eyeballs? I guess not. Yeah. Okay. All right. How do you? I won't ruin it for it? you. You should go back through and play and get true ending. <laughs> because I, I definitely like. Oh man, Messenger is awesome. Katana Zero, I could talk about Katana Zero all day. Like I love so many things about it. Well, the the soundtrack is awesome, and like the, the oh, tape, yeah. the tape effect sounds like VHS tape when you like in the the music and all the sound yeah. effects slow down, and it sounds like tape, and then it has that squiggly, and then the and it has like the VHS sort of like fast forward lines. The yeah, the uh, so polished. The, the aesthetic and yeah. the sound design is is perfect. They did a perfect job. <laughs> like I don't, I wouldn't have changed anything no. with that game. And it's one of the first games. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a there's a new technology. I don't know if they use Sprite Lamp, but or like Sprite Lamp, which is real time lighting for sprites. Mm. And it, it's used very subtly in Katana Zero. But uh, like I'll show you a demo of Sprite Lamp because you can get an idea. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you do like normal maps on a, and then you can do real time lighting with two D. Like this is just a two D thing of bricks. Anyway, Katana Zero uses this, but not over. It's not like a, I don't know, overbearing. So right. If I can find an example of an example that stuck out to me was the second level, the club. Like, okay, we can go right here where I just was. Dang it. So, like, you look at the hotel sign. If you can see some movement, you'll see. Yeah, the- and you look like look at the look at the police officers. Yes. Uh, the lighting off of the police officer. Yeah, the lighting was really good. The story was amazing, and uh, as one of and have to, so don't tell me the secret ending. But how, what do you have to do to get the secret ending? Because I'm. Um, I wrote it down actually. It, if you, 
I think one of the main things is um, you don't kill anyone if you don't have to. I think uh, that was I the big one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some level. There was my first playthrough. That was that was all I did. I was just like, I'm just gonna get through this as fast as possible. Kills everything as late I can. Um, like, there's one level when you go to the jail, right? Um, yeah. He originally says, "Don't kill anyone." Um, I think that's one of the bigger bigger parts. Yeah, like you don't kill him. You don't want to kill the the dead mouse guy. Yeah, because they tell you to kill him, but you don't. I didn't kill him the first time, but I did. I killed. I saved some of them and then killed some of the other ones. I pretty much did what they told me not to do because I, the guy, like the therapist guy, I don't like you. I know you're using me, so I just did the opposite. Whatever he told yeah. me to do, but, yeah. but sometimes he would tell you to not kill someone, then I would actually kill them, or <sighs> vice versa. Right. One of the best indie games. I can't wait for the. But the, I get there's going to be a sequel apparently coming out. I wish uh, there's a game I'll show you. I don't know if you play Toho, Metroidvania. So I don't even know what Toho is. I've talked about this on a, a handful of podcasts. But uh, I guess Toho is like some dating, not Metroidvania. It's some. It's like a series with some other type of game. I don't know what it is. But they had this offshoot game called Toho Luna Nights. And the, the main character is, like, sucked into a dream world, and that's how they, like, make the excuse to have, like, this offshoot kind of side game from the main series. And it's one of the funnest Metroidvanias I've ever played. It's, like, really, like you were saying, the opposite of Bloodstained. It plays like a Neo Geo arcade beat-em-up. Right. But it's, it's a Metroidvania. Yeah, like that's what I need out of. I don't. I don't necessarily want like um, twin stick shooter style action or anything like that. But I need, I need my my <laughs> Metroidvania games, if you will, to be fast paced. Like yes, um, Dead Cells, for example. Like uh, I still play Dead Cells. Like at least that a couple times. Awesome. I, like it's just it's so good. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like pixel style games that have that have been sure, coming, coming out lately that are really good. I'm pretty sure Dead Cells. That's not actual pixel art. I think they did what Donkey Kong Country did. Is they have 3D renders, and then they they play the animations out and convert them to a sprite. Uh, yes, that is what they did. I'm pretty. Yeah, I, didn't, I remember. I, I remember seeing um, an interview where they talked about that. They did the same thing with Hyperlight Drifter, actually. Really? I didn't know Hyperlight was that. I yeah. thought Hyperlight was traditionally animated. Um, well, I think I think most of the gameplay is some the cinematic ones. The cinematic scenes are uh, are that that are bigger or something. Yeah, like like when uh, the three monsters come up at the very beginning, like that's like half and half. You know, it's like that's one man, of the that, best uh, indie games that's come out recently too. Oh, yeah. The only my only complaint with that game, honestly, which is a good complaint. So, did you? We you didn't talk about any Zeldas, by the way. Did you play any Zeldas? I like Zelda. I I mean, I have the Hyrule Crest tattooed across my back. <laughs> okay, which you did. I I knew you liked Zelda, but you didn't bring it up as any of your memories, which I was surprised. I I, I mean, the thing with Zelda is mo- most of the games are just the same thing. Um, 
just for that generation's console. I still, I don't have a Switch, so I haven't played Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. And that's one of the things that me and Shelby have talked about doing. Like the next, the next time we get, you know, a couple hundred bucks, we're going to go. Well, I guess it'll probably be more like 500, but (laughs) the next time, the next time we have a little bit of disposable income, we're going to make sure we get a Switch and play Breath of the Wild because everyone keeps saying it's, it's like a Zelda game in a, in the Skyrim universe. So Skyrim being one of our, both of our favorite games, it's got it. It's probably, probably the move, but anyways, yeah, like, yeah, this thing, like the different Zelda, I liked, I liked the older ones, but like Ocarina of Time obviously was fun, but I, the story was just kind of, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, you know, there's a little bit of time travel. There's a little bit of, you know, killing someone in the past to do something different for the future. Like whole dark world, overworld stuff. Like is what I, I really liked Majora's Mask. That one was, that one was really fun to play. That's the most um, creatively different. Like it is departure the, most from the formula by for sure. Yeah. And maybe, like, maybe Breath of Wild would be the new one, but yeah, I can see why. I really want to play Cadence of Hyrule, which is basically like a Zelda game, but with Crypt of the Necro dancing mechanics. Yes. Um, the new Link's Awakening looks cute. I'll probably get that if I have a Switch. So, um, but yeah, like Ocarina of Time, great game. Played it a lot when I was, you know, growing up. I played uh, Four Swords a lot with. My, I had a couple friends, and we all had it, so we would play together. Um, or not, not Four Swords, but Minish Cap, the one on game on, uh, yeah, I think it was DS. Um, let's see. Did you play, yeah. uh, Link's, the one on Super Nintendo, Link's Awakening, I think? I, the Super Nintendo one was Link to the Past. Link to the Past, um, yeah. I think Link's Awakening was. That's number two on NES. Was it on NES? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think I played that one on on Game Boy um, back in the day, um, but it was just kind of like, okay, this is fun, but it really wasn't like all that great in my in my mind. I don't know, man. Like, I know I remember like going back through and playing some of the older Zelda games, and I'm just like, I'm bored. Like, I'm I didn't really find. I, I like it, I like action and RPGs, but I like the leveling up RPG aspect of I like leveling up. I like you know I don't just like I don't like item based um, puzzle RPGs, okay. if you will. I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, so like yeah, they're fun, and I'll give credit where they're where credits due. You know, like who doesn't like Zelda? It's it's a it's a good it's a good solid it's you a good know, franchise. Yeah. For sure. Well, the Hyperlight Drifter, what my complaint about it was, because I, because of Zelda, uh, you said Link to the Past, Super Nintendo. Uh, that game starts out where you have you have I think three dungeons or four. You get three pendants. Yeah. And you think that's like going to be the end of the game, and you go fight the wizard, and then you fight the wizard, and it switches to a different world, a dark world, and now you have seven more dungeons. Like seven, <laughs> yeah. Right. And I remember being just blown away. Like I cannot believe. Because I played as a little kid when it first came out. It was difficult. I got stuck in, like, the second dungeon, I think, on the yeah, first I, world. I, get the light that's probably, torches. 
Yeah, that's probably the reason why I didn't latch on to Zelda as much as everyone else did. Is like it came out when and I I got it for Super Nintendo, but it came out when I was like six years old. <laughs> like, a little you know, he- like, a little heavy for a six year old, right? So, yeah. so like I, I I mean I don't think I got. I didn't get my Super Nintendo until I was like nine or ten, but my my dad picked it up, and I know my dad liked playing it. But it was fun to. It was like one of those games. Was like, oh, I'll watch you play it, I guess. But I don't really, I don't really care. <laughs> like, it's, it's a little heavy on on the on the puzzle making for a kid. But like at the same time, you know, like I didn't really like those types of games yet. I was more into the shoot 'em up games and stuff on the yeah. play, on the PC. I thought I, I thought Hyperlight Drifter was going to have that same sort of thing after you like unlock the four, you know, you have north, yeah. south, east, west <laughs> and then you kill the boss. I was in love with it and I just somehow got in my mind that there was going to be it wasn't going to be the end. Right. <laughs> and then it ended and I was so let down but because I loved the I hadn't loved the game that much in a long time. And yeah, that's my only complaint. Uh, just so short. I want more. It was it was pretty short. I think I probably beat it in like twelve or thirteen hours. Yeah, it, it wasn't that long. It's a short. It's a shorter, but it's like still a fun. It took me a while actually to figure out like, okay, now I need to go here. Now I need to go here. I did a lot of backtracking during my first playthrough of Hyperlink Drifter. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of Iconoclast? It's made by one guy. It's a uh-uh. sort of Metroidvania. It just came out on. I waited for it to come out on Switch been waiting for it to come out for a long time but i knew it was going to come out on switch so i didn't buy it on steam mm-hmm. switch is the best in my opinion if you want to play retro indie metroidvania top down pixel anything just why get it on steam get it on get it on the switch yeah get it on There's the no console point. that it, they're made for <laughs> so this is a game uh, on my screen it's made by one dude kind of like axiom verge it was made yeah. by one guy and it has a Super Nintendo, Super Metroid like color palette, and it's a Metroidvania. And it's just really, really polished for. And I like the art style a lot. Like I think it. Yeah, I like it too. It uh, reminds me. Did you play Alboy? Mm-hmm. Did you beat it? Because I got I got bored, but mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Nope, didn't beat that one. I probably played it for a good like three or four hours. And then, um, and but yeah, the same thing. I got I got bored. It, I I I was just like, okay, I get it. He's flying around, shooting stuff. These are fun characters. Uh, the pixel art is absolutely stunning in it's this game. The, one of the best ever. Yeah, it's amazing. Did you play Hollow Knight? Oh yeah, oh, uh, I yeah. played played that one. Um, can't wait for the new game. It's going to be good. This is one of those games too that uh God, it just infuriated me when <laughs> at first it was it <laughs> when, I couldn't, fig- when I couldn't figure out how to like I could when I and it took me a while to figure out the the map like the map system and like how to how to get around. I think there was one point where I was just running back and forth. I had I hadn't gone into that one room with the uh with with the fast traveling thing. Oh, so I was uh, running yeah, back yeah, and yeah, forth yeah. for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait for this. This looks so so good. I went deep down the rabbit hole of how they developed this game because it's one of the 
Metroidvanias. Like I like the even though it's not pixel art, I like the art style. Which when I first saw it, I was kind of like, eh. But then it grew on me, and I like the depth and how many layers of parallax, and how they have foreground elements that are all blacked out. It makes just I don't know. It's the best, and it's so tight. I just can't say good enough. It has cool lore, almost like Dark Souls. You have to sort of figure out what this universe is and how it's working. Yep, you do have to figure it out. This game, yeah, this game is going to be awesome. Did you get the uh, final ending, whatever the best ending on Hollow Knight? No. Neither did I. I need to go back and... It's kind of... You have to get all the dream. Well, that's got to be like a New Game Plus thing, right? I don't know if it's New Game Plus. Maybe I have to go back and look it up, but I know part of it requires you have to get all the dream, whatever those the collectible is, the dream currency, and then that unlocks like some. You have to kill all the dream bosses, and then some other place, and then you get like a, a secret boss, and then there's a, a secret. I didn't, I didn't know there was anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go look. I'll look it up. All right, before we wrap it up, is there a any other game memory that really sticks out or something that you played recently that has a really good memory attached to it? Um, hmm. I, I've been really getting into rogue roguelites really. And, okay. uh, dungeon, like dungeony crawly type games. Uh, I'm playing a lot of, uh, wizard of legend, which is a really good one. <gasps> and yes, uh, what's uh, your? Uh, I can't beat it. I've tried to beat that. Game. Oh, I can't beat it either. So it's so times. hard. I've probably put like I've probably put like a good thirty hours into it, and I just like I I'll still die in the first dungeon. Like it's it's just an objectively hard game. <laughs> yes. Um, I've always had yeah. the thought like if they could combine Wizard of Legend because I like how you can map um, different spells to your face buttons, mm-hmm. combine different elements. If they could make a Wizard of Legend that wasn't a roguelite, but Hyperlight Drifter, like a, a built-out world with dungeons, and then have the roguelite... You know how a lot of games will have... Uh, Do you play Onimusha back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll have, like, the side, the extra stuff at the end game where you can go through some sort of, like, tower or floors. Go And every floor gets harder and harder. <laughs> as a, like a, like Just to extend the game on top of a manually built-out world with dungeons. Right. If they could combine yeah, those cool. two, it would be... That's one of my dream indie games. So if you're an indie game developer, somehow listen to this, someone make <laughs> this game. Make Wizard of Legend and and Hollow... Or not Hollow Knight. Hyperlight Drifter mixed Hyper together. Hyperlight Drifter, yeah. Uh, yeah, that... Uh, what else have I been playing lately? Uh, Moonlighter, which is really fun. I tried that. Uh, I couldn't... Do I need to... I did like three hours. And... Oh, man, I put in like... I don't know. Let me look at my Steam... <laughs> Thirty nine hours, and I still haven't beat it. I'm, I'm, I'm right there though. I'm right at that final boss. I'm right. I'm just about. I, I've been grinding. I think probably that's the reason why I put it down for a little while. Like I'll probably only pick it up maybe once a week for maybe an hour now, because I the last like literally like the last 10 hours has just been grinding and grinding and grinding to get the right gear to beat the final boss because you have to have better gear or you just it's not even possible it's yeah 
Um, let's see, whatever. Uh, oh, Warhammer 40k Mechanicus is, um, what? I've never heard of this. Really fun Warhammer title. It's a tactics game. Um, set in, set in like the, set in like the, the future future Warhammer. Um, I don't know much about that world. I know there's a bunch of games and they're all interconnected in the same universe. I've never played a single Warhammer game though. Yeah, they're they're fun. Uh it's all it's all about like orcs versus the older ones are are orcs and uh, versus like the humans versus uh like the different types of humans that are more machine-based humans kind of thing. Like it's really cool. Um really cool universe that they've built there but like some of the warhammer games are really bad <laughs> they're not good but but uh, i've been playing a lot of risk arena 2 that one's really fun to, to dive into with homies um because i played a lot of risk arena 1 but this time they went i don't know if you've seen anything about risk arena 2 but just some uh, just some uh glowing reviews on steam and some gameplay yeah. footage it's uh it's definitely like holding me over until Borderlands 3 comes out. Um, oh, did they... Oh, okay, no, this is just... It's definitely a lot more fun with friends. Um, I think you can have four four people in a party. Um, the character classes are really fun. It's really fun to, like, kind of work your way through levels, build up, build up your build accordingly. And it's just your basic like run and gun loot, like kind of thing. You get different your your abilities are you have you have a certain set of abilities, kind of like you would in like say Overwatch, um, where they all do different things. But there's items in the game that change your change based on like you you could build your set to be like crazy fast shooting archer, or you could build it to be like to to base it off of your your second ability or to you or to build with items based off of your ult kind of thing so like each yeah. game is different there's never a, it's never it's never a game that plays the same um but yeah it's a it's a lot of fun um i don't know man like lately i mean it's probably just because i'm older now right like i only play games if i'm having if i'm having fun <laughs> Like, yeah. I, I don't got time. I don't got time to like, like, like I said, like to grind I, I, I like to finish like. games, but yeah. like if it gets to the point where I'm putting in like 50 hours and I still can't get to the end of the game, I usually just give up. <laughs> but yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with those. Like just, I really like the, like the slow grind, build your character kind of thing. Um, I've always liked the, RPGs and stuff. So that's basically what I've been up to. Well, where can people, let's wrap this up. Where can people find your tunes? Robo Rob's Bandcamp, right? DJ RoboRob.bandcamp.com. If you want to check yep. out Kingdom Heartbeats, the official, motherfucking official remix album for Kingdom Hearts 3. Yes, sir. That's one place uh, you can you get can find it. Me Everything there. else you can search is for me on Spotify or Apple tune, iTunes, whatever, whichever one you use. Do you um, have most of your stuff on Spotify? Yeah, all my stuff's on Spotify. Okay, let's see. I got your. Uh, how many releases do you have on Bandcamp? Oh, yeah, you got a bunch. The one that I found you from was before 
Solaris, because we already knew in, in Terra. Whatever I found was pre your oldest release on Bandcamp. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I took most of those down. I just there, there gets a point where like there it was just too, there was just too much stuff yeah. on my Bandcamp page, and like, and I'm I'm about to take down some more of these too because like the single releases especially like. Yeah, it's really not a reason to keep them up there. Plus, I'm re-releasing some of them. They're remastered, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I've got an album coming out in like three weeks. It's a new original album. Um, it's so you, basically you just came out with like full circle th- pretty recently, right? What's that? Your newest one's full circle. When did that come out? Uh, it's not out yet. That's the one I'm. Putting oh, that's out. the one you're it, talking about. It's okay. uh, you can get it's a pre. You can pre-order it now if you want. If you want to pick it up, um, but it's basically like a throwback to my favorite type of like electro electro house music that was really popular back in 2011 to 2014 was kind of that era that okay. I really started going to shows and making that type of music. Um, so this is kind of just like a throwback to that that era, that type of music. Uh, a lot of collaborators, a lot of really talented producers that helped me out with this album. Uh, a couple of, lots of vocals on this one. I think every other track is probably a vocal track on this one. So there's a lot of, a lot of singing, a lot of, and a couple bits of rapping. Um, yeah. It, and then Kingdom Heartbeats is, uh, my one before that. And, uh, that one also is available on Bandcamp and uh, everything's up on Spotify. Um, if you want, I mean, if you live in the Florida area, I'm, I'm playing a lot of shows out here, so um, keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll be at DefCon playing there in a couple weeks. I'll be at Mag West in 2000, 2000, obviously 2019, uh, in uh, September. And uh, I think that's about it for shows. But yeah, if you want to hear me, check out my my releases on uh, Spotify. It's the best place really to listen to me. It's most convenient. That's let's be real. That's where most people it, most people listen. Although I got semi sold on title. Hope bear with me because my brother came into town and he's a like a front end house mix engineer and he's been, he's like really good ears. He's an audiophile and he has a pair of like. I don't know the KDH. I don't remember. They were thirteen hundred dollar headphones with like oh. a five hundred dollar uh, microphone preamp. And he like I A-beat my studio microphone uh, headphones that I'm the Shure eight forties that I've had forever versus his through my interface and then through his preamp. And the preamp did make a difference. The microphone amp, the headphones made a huge huge difference. I thought, I thought like oh I'm an amazing producer. There's so much more depth and clarity to my music than I've ever heard. <laughs> and I also heard a lot of things that I didn't like that I fixed when I had I, yep. had I had these headphones for a week. He left them from with me for a week. But comparing Spotify and Tidal in those headphones, like tr- like lossless streaming. It, yeah, the lossless streaming is uh, pretty it's a dope. Big deal. I I don't really care enough to get a subscription to Tidal, but um, I I they also pay out better than anyone else so if you i'm on title so if you want to listen to me on title you can, you can listen to my lossless streaming you can streaming listen robo to rob true robo rob in all <laughs> clear glory on title or oh, bandcamp 
I think Band all my glowing mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet man, well, I appreciate your time. I know it's probably you're an hour ahead of me. I think I'm two actually. Yeah. All right, so but, it's getting pretty late for you. It's all good. Probably gonna. But I want to have soon. I want to have people on more than once. So we'll we'll catch up like a little bit down the road and kind of go over recent memories and games that you like. If anything happens, I'm sure you'll have some fun memories with Borderlands Three with your wife yeah. when it comes out. Uh, are you gonna? You, are you playing on uh, console or PC? PC. Anything that's the only thing I play on consoles. Uh, I have a PS4 Pro. The only thing I play is exclusives on PS4. Mm. Uh, anything that's not indie pixel art, I'm going to play on PC because why else yeah. have a $1,300 graphics card if you're not going to just play the best graphics possible? And yeah, then, for and sure. And everything else is going to be on Switch. So if you're if you're on PC, do you have, do you have a PC? You yeah, do? my I have a gaming PC up and running now. What card do you have? Uh, it's just a 1060, but it gets the job done. That's a decent card. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, and I can Borderlands play, I can the games that have been coming out, so it's not a yeah. big deal. Well, we'll have to play. On, we'll have to play on PC. If you get Breath of the Wild, I'd be interested to talking you to about that because that's a divisive game. I don't like it. I've tried it like four times. A lot of other people consider it the best Zelda and just a master class in game design in general. Hmm. Um, I'd be curious to see, especially because you haven't you've played the other Zeldas, but you aren't the Despite having a tattoo, it doesn't sound like you're this diehard Zelda franchise fan. And I love, I'll, I'll be honest, I love the music. It's, yes. It, the music is where I, is what I love the most. And I think that's, that's the reason, you know, that was honestly the reason for the tattoo is Ocarina of Time has some of the best mu- game music of all time. And that's where my, that's where my love for Zelda comes in is just beautifully orchestrated. And it can be turned into any style of music, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Someone out there has done it. That's a very yep. popular thing to remix. What's your favorite track on Aquarian of Time? Um, I don't, I, I, I'm probably, I'd probably switch it over to Majora's Mask and say Oath to Order. Okay. And I'll kind of do it like a flash question. What's your favorite, speaking of, what's your favorite track on Chrono Trigger? Oh, no. Um, probably, probably the forest, the forest theme. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, forest theme, which I'm actually doing a. I'm doing my one of my next projects coming up is I'm working on working on a Chrono Trigger remix album. So that's uh, that one's that one's in the works. It won't be out till next year, but. Uh, it's going to be all kind of lo-fi house and deep house okay. uh, Chrono Trigger remixes. So um, it's going to be a little more chill than usual. But um, I'm really looking forward to everyone hearing some of these. A lot of some some of the tracks going to be a little funky too. I'm playing live bass on a lot of them. So the nice gotta, thing gotta, about the Chrono Trigger remix or album or fan base is there people always want more. I did a like just indie Chrono Trigger four track remix album that I just put on Bandcamp and like mm-hmm. put up on Reddit and it's, it's still to this day is other than the things that have been featured on big YouTube channels that uh, Bandcamp I get I get donations every month someone for that like there's yeah it's, it's like six years old or something like that 
Uh, there's a, there's just a, a fan base that's just always hungry. Yeah, that's the thing with the video game music band. Like, it, you already have a built-in audience, and there's yeah. always going to be people that want to listen to to new versions, even if it's not their favorite style of music. Uh, they want to hear new versions of the songs that they love because it's nostalgia. It's nostalgic yeah. to them. So, what is your favorite video? Last question: video game song of any game. Favorite video game song of any game would probably have to be the title intro of Donkey Kong Country. Really? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta re-listen to that to uh, remember. It's just because it's a remix. <laughs> if you like, if you want to like get down and dirty, it's it's a remix uh, of what it it takes the old the old version. It throws a boombox down. It brings in the the a breakbeat, and then it starts playing this like guitar line over the t- uh, oh, bass guitar that's right, line. He's like playing the old record player. Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and it's a remix of. I didn't play the older Donkey Kongs, like the original Donkey Kong. Yeah. Okay. Sweet man. Well, I appreciate your time. Everyone check out Robo Rob, uh, Bandcamp, Spotify, Title if you want the full <laughs> unaltered experience. Do you you Twitch a lot too? What's your Twitch? Uh sometimes, not really anymore actually, but okay. uh I do Twitch and it's at Robo Rob Music when I do. So I'll throw all these links into the podcast description whenever it gets uploaded. You're chronologically number 11 i don't know if it's going to get uploaded as number 11 i'm uploading the first one today uh before we started it i don't know i'll let you know when it goes live um cool thanks again for your time let's do yeah no problem thanks for thanks for letting thanks for shooting the shit about video games for two hours with me (laughs) yeah i like the uh the format of hey let's just talk about kind of video game memories and just let it turn into as a starting point and just turn into shooting the shit about games because I think gamers like to talk about games, and hopefully they like yeah. to listen to other people talk about it. We'll find out. I have no idea. Do you need, like, a podcast intro or anything? I do need to figure that out. I have a guy. I don't know if you know him, Blaze. He's friends with X and G. He does, he does like, uh, After Effects and Cinema 4D. Nice. <clears throat> He's working on a... Um, like an animated intro. I think I sent you the logo. Did I show you the logo? Yeah, the logo looks good. Yeah, that was just... I just went on a marketplace and found like a game icon that was... And just switched it a little bit. Bought it, whatever license it was. Tweaked the gradient a little bit. And then I did the the font. Is uh, not the actual PlayStation font. You can't do that. But uh, like a lookalike right. font called Zernik, I think. Um, because for me, uh, PS- yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've used it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, PS1 for me is like my glory days. It's like my most. So when I became a real gamer, I think. Right. The JRPGs, and so that's where the, that font came from. I'm having a guy. I sent that to a dude. He'll do like an animated intro. But I do need to figure out some sort of, I don't know, like set kind of music or something to do for an intro, both visually and auto. Do you have any ideas? I, I could probably think of something. Yeah, hit me if you haven't. I don't really know. Like That's one of the last things I've got to figure out is sort of the visual and audio intro before I upload anything uh, officially. 
Haunted View, and I, I obviously can't use... Um, I know you're really good at reverse engineering video game sounds because you told me you had to uh, prove to Square Enix, right, through video that yeah. you used some samples. Yep, sure did. What, what uh, synth did you, would you usually make your video game sounds in? Serum. Serum. Maybe I maybe I can have to shoot you some money or hire you some way to have a like send you some sounds I like that I can't use. We can uh, reverse engineer them for something sure. for the intro. Sounds good. Most stuff is just like fucking fucking with because uh, they can't they can't they can't claim anything over wavetable synthesis. So um, sometimes I'll just sample a wavetable of a Game Boy sound or like Super oh, Nintendo. Oh, so you bring in a sound. And you you can, yeah, you can, yeah, you can sample wavetables and then as long as you're creating it within the sound itself, then that's fine. Because they can't copyright a, a square wave. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> though, though someone I'm sure would try. If well, they they have. They won't. Who has? You can't do that. Um, I can't remember who it was that. Uh, it was it was something ridiculous. I'm gonna look it right. up. Let's look that up. It's pretty funny. Um, right. Tried to copyright. Attempted copyright square wave. I think it was. Uh, where did it go? I'm just getting like weird. Uh, I'll have to look articles. for it. Um, I know there was. Um, I know there's a couple of them that are really funny too. I know like uh, Taylor Swift lawyers tried to copyright certain key phrases. Uh, I think she tried to copyright "whoa oh." That's just like no. <laughs> Why do you think that's oh, okay? I think her Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift trademarks this six beat, this sick beat, and other 1989 phrases. What? Yeah, she was trying to she was trying to 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 copyright stuff that like is old, <laughs> like just phrases from back in the day. Holy cow, that's kind of gross. I like I think she's catchy, but now I'm like, ugh. I well, the thing thing is, is like it's not her; it's her brand. It's her lawyers. You know, they're yeah. trying to figure out some way to make money. You know, so do you think she cares, or is it like she, her hands are tied? She can't do anything about it. Probably both. Yeah, I don't think she cares, but like at the same time, her hands are tied, so she doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's making so much money; it doesn't matter. She just had some sort of break with some guy that said took all her masters. I saw some headline. There was some legal drama with her and a manager or something. I don't. I didn't follow it. Other than I like her new song. Like you got oh, the one with uh, the Panic at the Disco guy, yeah. or Fallout Boy. That one's good. The you the favorite me? It's ca- yeah, it's catchy. It's catchy. Um, There's a the- new one that's like you got to chill out or something. She says, "Just chill out." Taylor Swift new song. Uh, you need to calm down. Oh, you heard yeah. that one? I think yeah, I have yeah. Oh, you know what is actually really good? I mean, you might hate this, but uh, what's her face? Hannah Montana, what's her other artist name? Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus has a new song called Mother that I really like. Really? Uh, yeah, I'd be interested if you like it. I don't I don't know of any other song I like by her, but she's got a song, I think it's called Mother. 
my uh, videos. Mother daughter. It's uh, yeah. it's pretty. Good. Check it out. Yeah, or not. I don't want to. I, was, be, I don't want to be held responsible was, when you don't like it. I always thought it was funny. Um, uh, was it her? Her brother Trace is. Uh, Trace Cyrus. He was in that band Metro Station from like that band. <laughs> oh, they were so. That was like a emo pop, like the yeah, height of it emo pop, the height of MySpace music. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was her brother. Yeah, that's her, yeah. Trace is her brother. Uh, I oh, opened for goodness. Metro Station. Like it was one of my first Robo Rob shows ever. Uh, and they played at this this freaking hole in the wall in Ogden of all places, and like they packed the place. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was something else. I was just like, all right. I, I would like to say I didn't jump on the email train, but I bought in pretty hard. Uh, we all we all did. We all Don't did. Worry about it. such is life. Yep. All right, man. Well, I'm going to hit stop. I'll see you listeners later. Adios. And that is a wrap, folks. Thank you for listening to the entirety of the podcast. That gives me all the warm and fuzzy feelings inside. But that is not enough warm, fuzzy feelings for me. As the ordained one and only prophet, seer, and revelator of the one and only true gaming podcast in the universe, I testify to you that the gaming gods themselves have revealed to me that you have a sacred duty to go forth and spread the good news of the Great Gaming Memories Podcast, the gospel of the Gaming Memories Podcast. Please go forth and share with all your loved ones, your friends, your families, your dogs, your cats, your exes, your worst enemies, all of them. I want you to share the good news of the Gaming Memories Gospel. Coming up next on the podcast, we have a old friend of mine, Adam Scott, also known as Atamu, who is a prolific video game artist. He creates video game fan art and sells it all over the world. I had a great time talking to him. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great episode. Until then, bye bye